two months in hospital was a nightmare and it wasn't even the fact that I had to personally go through what I had to go through it was the fact that I had to see people around me uh, family friends loved ones that what they had to go through and see that on a daily basis. Detectives are still questioning a man over the murder of a pensioner at Little Gadsden in Hertfordshire. 66-year-old Graham Buck was fatally stabbed while trying to help an elderly neighbour who was being robbed on Saturday. Two men and a woman have also been arrested on suspicion of assisting the suspect, 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin. The owners of a casino set to open in Milton Keynes this September are confident they've put measures in place to combat problem gambling. The venue at the Xgate building will be run by the gambling giant Aspers, as Craig Lewis reports. The new casino, due to open on September 5th, will include a restaurant, two bars and 24 TV screens showing sport from around the world, as well as more than 100 slot machines and 22 gambling tables. Aspers Casino Operations Director, Austin Graham, told me checks are in place to prevent the complex being used by problem gamblers, including strict policies on allowing people in who have had too much to drink and checks on how often people are visiting cash points. Plans to build more than 2,500 homes to the north of Bishop Stortford will be put forward by developers tonight. The proposals also include shops, schools and a park and ride scheme. Those plans will be outlined in a public meeting at the Charis Centre in Water Lane at 7pm, although a decision will not be made until the autumn. In sport, the Open Championship gets underway this morning and Rory McIlroy is looking for his third major title. The world number two has yet to win a tournament this season and missed the cut in his last start at the Irish Open. The weather, plenty of sunshine today with barely a cloud in the sky and a a top temperature of 29 degrees Celsius, that's 84 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Can we do a list? Let's compile a list today of sports that are not sports. Right. Go- golf is not a sport. Well, uh, what's your definition of sport? Well, Do you uh, have to raise a sweat? Yeah, of course, yeah, of course you You can't play a sport in a jersey. That's, that's I think, is a basic... <laughs> that's a All basic right. rule. So bobsledding out. Bobsledding... <laughs> yes, it has to be under that definition. It does. OK, so bobsledding is not a sport. Football not... isn't, because they wear those polo necks. Well, no, football, well, uh, football is a sport. Now you're being uh, Well, you're going to have to rethink your rules well, then. A polo neck isn't necessarily a jersey, is it? Yes, Anyway, go on. Carry so, on with this premise. So, uh, golf is not a sport. Bobsledding is not a sport. It's just it's just sitting down, going fast, isn't it? That's mm. not a sport. So that tea tray one's out as well. The skeleton bob. The skeleton bo- the skeleton bob is definitely out. Now, controversially, darts and snooker they are sports. Oh no, come on, they're pub games. No, 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 no. They are. <laughs> I tell you, what I'd watch if Sky Sports did this. I would subscribe to it. If they did international. Um, uh, one on gamblers, you know the fruit machines. <laughs> right. I would love a bit now stepping oh, really? up to the hockey. It's uh, Juan Simbadongong from uh, Denmark who's going to put in <laughs> his his. He's borrowing a pound from his mate Steve. Oh, Steve's not happy. <laughs> I would subscribe for that. But there's always someone hovering behind, isn't there? While you load up the machine. Yeah, waiting for that. You, you walk away, and then they go in and they get the money straight away. <laughs> That's how we'd win the world championships. I want it to be an Olympic sport, Catherine. Can we make it happen? Uh, no. We can do that. A list of sports that are not sports. I would totally subscribe to Sky Sports and watch Sky Sports 3 if they had uh, international fruit machines. Wouldn't you? That would be wonderful! Lots coming up on the show this morning. As always, keen to get your say. 
Bedford Hospital and its decision to close its children's services. So it's an issue we've been looking at all week. And as protesters work out their campaign to get the services back, today sees a meeting held by the town's mayor. We'll have a look forward to that. The owners of a new casino in Milton Keynes opened their doors to the media yesterday to show us the shape of things to come. Whenever there's talk of a new casino, people are always, oh no, oh no, gambling's too easy, oh no, it's too easy to gamble. But really, is there anything wrong with gambling? And man alive, isn't it hot? Isn't it hot? I slept naked. And I don't like sleeping. I don't approve of sleeping naked. I don't think it's attractive. Imagine if a burglar comes in and sees me with all my bits and pieces hanging out. That'd be awful for everybody. How are you keeping cool at the moment? I need your tips on how to keep cool. Boy, oh boy, I blew my eldest son's mind the other night. He was in bed. Oh, Dad, it's too hot. So watch this, boy. I turned the pillow over. He had the cool side of the pillow. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe Oh, Dad, it's so cool. Yeah, like me. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give us a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The Mayor of Bedford will chair a meeting today about the decision to close paediatric services at Bedford Hospital. Well, the announcement was made on Monday following the withdrawal of junior medical trainees working in children's services by the board that trains them. Health Education East of England took the step after being alerted to problems by those trainees. Well, we've heard all week from parents who are extremely worried about what it will mean for them. On Tuesday, I asked the acting chief executive of Bedford Hospital, Stephen Conroy, whether the children's A&E, the overnight care on the Riverbank Ward, and the children's assessment unit will ever reopen. This is what we want to look at. I heard the mayor saying... You, you say uh, you want to look on. at. Will, will, do you want them to open again? Uh, absolutely. The, 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 the Riverbank staff are very keen to keep that... All, all three of them. Well, the, a, the A&E, is... the Riverbank and the children's assessment unit. You want all three of them to open again? That's what we're looking at. What I'm saying, though, is that if we can't provide those services in a sustainable way on our own, we need to work with another hospital. They're not going to open again, are they? We want to provide it, but it has to be sustainable. They're not the gonna, GPs have to want to buy it. I put it to you, Stephen, they're, they're not going to open again. That once you've closed them, it's going to be harder to reopen them. Uh, well, we've still got all the nursing staff, though. Uh, we're recruiting the medical staff, so that option is, is fully open as far as I'm concerned. Stephen Conroy went on to say that he hoped the services will be reinstated by March of next year, but there are concerns this might not happen. Raymond Keating, whose son Joshua has relied on children's services at Bedford, is campaigning for them to be reopened. Unfortunately, this is just uh, a blatant act uh, of a cap service that's being uh, run down purposely uh, to forge uh, a merger with other local hospitals. Stephen Conroy said that he hoped to have all of the services back within a few months, uh, possibly March next year. What, what do you think about that? Do you think they will come back? No, the, ser- the services aren't coming back. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're in the position that he's in, you, can, you, can, you should be able to guarantee that. That there, w- there was no certainty in his answers to you whatsoever. It was, uh, if I had my way. You do have your way. You're in the hot seat, mate. You need to sort yourself out. You, it's, it's, your, it's your job to make sure this happens. So you should confidently be in a position to say, yes, 
these services will be coming back. It's a short-term measure and we're actually in the process at the moment of putting a plan of action together. He's not doing none of that. He's saying all the things he should say uh, about a service that's been purposely run down and that will be uh, that has moved away and won't be coming back. Well, Mayor Dave Hodgson, who also chairs the Health and Wellbeing Board, says uh, clarity from the hospital is needed. I think that's been the problem, hasn't it, over the past few weeks and months. There's been very little clarity. Uh, anyone who is concerned is urged to meet at Borough Hall at 10 o'clock today and you can take part in the meeting. 08459 455 555. Sports that are not sports. And what are you doing to cool down? Oh, man, I love this song. Isn't this one of the most joyous songs ever about falling in love with a computer? This is the only song ever about falling in love with a computer. Let me think. I, there must be another one somewhere.
BBC Three Counties Radio. You throw out a couple of things, a bit of fluff and nonsense, and you get loads of reaction. Loads, two reactions. First thing, sports that are not sports. Golf is not a sport. A thing where you get driven around and you have someone poorer than you holding your equipment while you wear a jersey is not a sport. It's not a sport. Fred in Luton has been in touch and says, sports that are not sports, motor racing, it's all about engineering. He's right, it's a technical exercise. It's not a sport. Driving a car, I hate to break this to you, is not a sport. It was a little bit for me this morning on the M1. That's a different story. It's not a sport. 81333, start your text 3CR. Sports that are not sports. I'm also asking this morning, how do you keep cool? I've asked Justin Dealey to go out and talk to people like this. I think he may have misunderstood what I meant by keeping cool. Dennis is in Dunsmore. Morning, Dennis. Good morning, Ian. Dennis, how are you keeping cool in this offensive heat? I've fitted um, overhead fans in the bedrooms and in the lounge. And so I just switch them on and I'm lying here. If If you get them running very fast, you can't get off the bed. The, the, the air pressure keeps you down? Yes. Are you... Can I ask you a personal question, Dennis? Certainly. Are you naked? Yes. Oh, now... Yes. Oh! Is it there? What's well, all there? Oh, no, really? Well, listen, listen if, you, if you do the same thing as you said you did last night, Sorry? you could leave all the windows and doors open because any burglar that came in, take one look at you, six, six foot six of nakedness and run a mile. Oh, you're so romantic, Dennis. <laughs> I, don't, I, I genuinely don't approve of people sleeping naked. I, li- I, I, I tried my pyjama bottoms on last night, but they were too hot, so I had to strip down to my pants. Yes, well, that's not bad. Yeah. Did you fit those fans yourself? Certainly. Is there not a chance that um, you may have fitted them incorrectly and one no. day you might come home and find Mrs Dennis decapitated? No, no, no. Wind, wind might not have a head when you no, pop back. they're fitted with lights and you can, in, the, in the winter when the, uh, your warm air is rising from uh, your radiators, you can reverse these and it blows the warm air down again. <laughs> Hang on a minute. What, you can reverse the fan so it goes yeah. the other way? Yes. That doesn't... That doesn't change anything, does it? It blows the warm air back down to you. But by changing the direction of the fan... Yeah, it keeps it circulating. It doesn't just go up there. So. No, hang on a second, Dennis. Yeah. When you do a fan backwards, it yeah. just does the same thing as when it goes forwards, when doesn't it? Sucks, one sucks and it blows, yeah. You try it. I don't I mean, you, if, you, if you get into an aircraft and you spin the, the um, fans at the front of the wing... <laughs> If you reverse them, it'll blow you backwards. Hang on, you're telling me if I got on an aeroplane with propellers, if they go one way, if they go clockwise, you go forwards, if they go anti-clockwise, you reverse. Yes, if you push you backwards. Dennis in Dunstable, thank you very much. Is that... One of us, one of us is an idiot. It's either Dennis or it's me. Fans, do they suck... Do they suck one way and blow the other? I'm confused now. 08459 455 555 616. Travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. As far as I know, Ian, they do. They, they suck one way and they blow the other. I did. That's the way a fan works. How, ca- how can that be possible? Because the blades are curved and angled one way, so that when they turn one way, they're sucking the air through from behind and blowing it through. And when the other way, they're sucking it from the front and blowing it back the other way. Adam, thank you very much. Let's have the travel. I'm scratching my head. Fair enough. Everything moving well on the roads across the three counties. No delays at the minute on the M25 through the roadworks. Speed sensors not picking up any problems on the M1, all looking pretty clear on the cameras. Trains and tubes running reasonably well. We have got minor delays for the Northern Line tube between Golders Green and Edgware. They're doing emergency engineering works at Golders Green. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. 
Morning, this is Ian Lee. It's 6.17. It's, uh, what day is it today? Is it, th- is it Thursday today or is it Wednesday? It's Thursday, I think, the 18th of July. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Mayor of Bedford will chair a meeting today about the decision to close paediatric services at Bedford Hospital. Detectives are still questioning 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin over the murder of a pensioner at Little Gadsden in Hertfordshire. Two men and a woman have been arrested on suspicion of assisting an offender. In sport, in inverted commas, the world number one Tiger Woods starts as favourite for golf's 142nd Open Championship, which begins this morning at Murrayfield. Is that a place? Is that how you say it? Muirfield. It's spelt Muirfield, but I've never heard of Muirfield. I've heard of Murrayfield. It's not a sport. Can we have a proper sport in the next news, please? Thank you. Coming up, we'll talk about the new casino in Milton Keynes. Is there anything wrong with gambling? BBC Three Counties Radio. I know that uh, Tony Fisher will be bullying me in the office later on for getting the name of that golfing establishment incorrect. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen. This Saturday will bring you nine quick and simple recipes for you to try at home. A delicious lemon and raspberry tart. You come to an end of a meal and you think, I couldn't eat another thing, but funnily enough, you can slide down a slice of this. Italian summer chicken. It's a whole potpourri of different flavours all hitting each other at the same time. It's true. And a cheats caramel and honeycomb dessert. My children would just die for this. That's the thing. I'd have to keep stopping them going back and getting some more. To get all the recipes, listen from midday on Saturday for all the details. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen on BBC Three Counties Radio. Why is it so busy on the phones this morning? And it's busy, uh, well, we're throwing out lots of stuff. It's busy about nonsense. We'll come to Doug in a second. He's not talking nonsense. He's got quite a serious point to make. Uh, but Dave in Luton. Dave, good morning. Good morning, Ian. You heard my conversation there with Dennis about um, fans and rotors. Yeah. And Dennis said that the, if the propellers on a plane go clockwise, you go forwards. If they yeah. go anti-clockwise, the plane reverses. Yeah. Is that true? When you're coming into land, yeah, the pilot puts it on reverse thrust, doesn't he? Well, well, no, okay. So, hold on, he puts the so brakes the on. Plane, so what? Oh, what? The plane's coming in about eighty mile an hour. Planes go even, f- not even faster. The planes come down that runway. Planes go faster you, than eighty miles an hour, don't they? Well, what do you think? You've got a foot brake. Well, yeah. Well, uh, no. What do you think? He's got a foot brake. So when you're coming into land. That plane's doing at 80 miles okay. an hour, even what, 100. What oh, you're no, talking... So when, so when he hits the runway, yes. he, the brakes automatically go on. Yeah, it puts the brakes the, on. The, the fan that's taking you upwards automatically reverses. Right. Now you're, talking, reverse, now you're talking nonsense, right. because, Dave, the, the no. aeroplanes don't have fans. No, no, reverse. What, what you're thinking of... Now, let me get a word in edgewise, please. What you're thinking of, Dave, is you're thinking of the modern jet airliner. What they do is they, they blow out of the back of the engines, and that pushes you forwards, and then when they want to slow down, they blow a little bit out of the front of the engines, and that, that slows you down, OK? No, no, but... The, the propellers, they just slow the propellers down a bit. No, when they fans are going around, there's two sets They're propellers! Fans. Come on, for good, you're calling them fans, for goodness All sakes. Right. OK, propellers. Yes. They're going, they're going forward clockwise to take you off when you're coming in take you off they go backwards to take no air in to stop you they just slow down a little bit it's it's thrust reverse thrust ask a pilot well i I, I would like to i'd like to ask a pilot over dave in luton (laughs) help is there a pilot around (laughs) can anybody fly this plane dave thank you is there a pilot around 
Should, right, with a jet engine, it pushes uh, fast air out of the back. That makes you go forward, yeah? And to slow you down, they push a little bit of fast uh, air out of the front. Propellers, they don't reverse the propeller. They just slow them down a bit. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. On the slightly more serious issue of uh, Bedfordshire Children's Wards closing, Bedford, Hosp- uh, Bedford Hospital, uh, and people being moved to Milton Keynes. Doug is in Milton Keynes. Morning, Doug. Morning, Ian. Uh, sorry to, to come to you after such uh, light-hearted nonsense, but you're, you're concerned, are you, about the impact on Milton Keynes Hospital? Well, yeah, I mean, my point really is that, you know, they're, they're moving the childcare from uh, Bedford and going to rely upon Milton Keynes. But over recent months in Milton Keynes, Milton Keynes Hospital has been absolutely slaughtered um, because of its inability to provide good childcare. I think there's actually been, you know, unfortunately, a couple of... Um, children that have died in milk. There have been a few incidences, haven't there, that have, that have been um, been raised up, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And so the hospital itself is probably under measures as we speak, um, and all we're going to do by transferring sort of the young to Milton Keynes is put the hospital under even more pressure, financial, administratively and everything else. Um, you know, and I, I, don't get me wrong, I haven't got an axe to grind with regards to the young being treated at Milton Keynes, but it just smacks to me uh, that, that, you know, we, we're getting all these cuts, we all know we're sort of in austerity and all the rest of it, but ultimately this is a backdoor way of finding savings. Um, and that, that, that seems to me to be the crux of the problem at Bedford. And so far, I've heard the debates every morning. And I've not heard anybody mention these issues that have happened at Milton Keynes Hospital. Uh, you're right to flag that one. We have covered these stories here on uh, BBC Three Counties Radio. They have a new chief exec who has uh, who said they are there are systems in place to cope with those problems. So I, I think it could be fair to say that Milton Keynes Hospital has bucked its ideas up a little bit. But uh, you are right to flag concerns. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, it's to me, it's it's all about money. Um, you know, they say they haven't got adequate supervision of the sort of young doctors at Bedford. But ultimately, why? You know, why is that? And, you know, I think the deeper question is it's about money. It's about finance. And it's the, it's the National Health Service getting closed down gradually by the back door. Uh, Doug and Milton Keynes, you're not the first person to raise that point. Um, and you're right to flag up that Milton Keynes has, the hospital has, has had a chequered uh, recent past. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Give us a call about any of those things. Oh, we've got a pilot coming on. Take a look at my girlfriend. She's the only one I got. I'm not much of a girlfriend, but never seemed to get along. Take a jumbo across the water, like to see America. See the girls in. There's not a lot I can do 
BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, the BBC has been given access to the new casino that's due to open in Milton Keynes in September. The owners, Aspers, opened the doors to see how development's progressing. Well, we sent our reporter, Craig Lewis, uh, with, uh, well, with none of our money. Hopefully he didn't use any. Uh, he asked the company's operations director, Austin Graham, what facilities will be provided. There'll be all sorts. It's more than just a casino. Uh, as being a super casino, of course, and a large licence, we've got bars, we've got restaurants, we offer poker, there's uh, slot machines as well as the gaming tables. It's, a, it's an all-round night out. You can come here for many different reasons. You come here on your own, birthday parties, special occasions, bring your partner out for a nice meal, lots of different things you can do. And, of course, being in Escape, there's a lots of other leisure activities around as well. So really is everything under one roof. Well, have you been tempted to have a small flutter on the lottery, visit a casino during the economic downturn? Is there really anything wrong with gambling? Professor Peter Collins is the former director of the Centre for the Study of Gambling at Salford University. Good morning, uh, Peter. Is there anything wrong with gambling? That's very much a matter of opinion. Some people think of it as a vice, and some people think of it as harmless entertainment. Uh, And in a democracy, you really have to let people fight that out at at the polls. But um, what is agreed is that most people who gamble do so quite harmlessly. They don't gamble more than they can afford, and they enjoy it. It's like riding roller coasters for them and paying for the privilege. But a few people do get into trouble, and quite serious trouble. And it's therefore very important that both politicians and indeed companies like Aspers take very seriously uh, the need to provide help through organizations like GAMCARE for the minority of their customers who will get into trouble, as well as doing what they can to make sure that the public make informed consumer choices when they're gambling and don't actually think this is a way of solving their current economic woes. When In, in times of austerity and recession, when, when money is tight for, for lots of people, do some people think the easy way out is to go and uh, have a little game of roulette or get involved in some poker or something to make a few quid? There's a very, very small minority of people who are in serious financial trouble do think, well, I'm in such uh, serious trouble, I might as well put everything I've got left on the 320 at Wincanton or on a roulette wheel and hope for the best. But that actually is, as I say, you know, if you can probably count the number of people who do that uh, in the early how big a, a problem is gambling? Generally, gambling income pe- uh, follows retail. So in recessions, people gamble less just as they go to restaurants less. How big a problem is gambling in the UK, Peter? It's reckoned to be, in the UK, uh, under 1% of the adult population, um, sort of 07 to 09 Uh, which makes it, of course, a small problem for the country as a whole, a larger problem for the people who gamble regularly. Um, Not an insignificant problem. I mean, uh, it's about the same as for... It's rather higher than for things like schizophrenia, for example, which we don't regard as a trivial uh, issue. But, of course... 
Um, it's not at all clear that simply the availability of new casinos actually causes this problem. What seems to happen is that people with a tendency to addictive problems, which might include compulsive shopping, for example, uh, find an outlet for their addiction uh, in whatever gambling facilities are available. Professor Peter Collins, former director of the Centre for the Study of Gambling at Salford University, thank you very much uh, indeed. Are you worried about the thought of a new casino in Milton Keynes? To be honest, I think uh, the, the idea of being concerned about a physical casino, an actual building you can go to, it's a little bit outdated, isn't it? I've got my iPhone here. I'm sure that within a few clicks I could be gambling away on my iPhone. You can do it on your computer. You can do it at work on your computer. You can load down an app, go to a website, wallop, put your credit card details in, you're there. Is there anything wrong with a cheeky gamble? I haven't been to a casino for a long time. I used to go twice a year. It would be a night out. I'd set myself a limit, and then I'd go about 30 quid over that limit. The first time I went, the first time I went to a casino... Um, went my friend Paul Garner. Never been before. I won enough to take me and my then-girlfriend on a trip to Prague. It was incredible. 08459 455 555. Is there anything wrong with having a cheeky flutter every now and then? Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roadworks continue in Bedford. Ampthill Road has temporary traffic lights up for another few weeks. At the Interchange Retail Park roundabout, it can slow things down on the average morning, but so far, all looking pretty decent. No delays along the A1 as you make your way past the Black Cat roundabout, down to the A1M and into London. The M25, a little slow from Chesant at Junction 25, round toward Potter's Bar at Junction 24 through the roadworks. In Ware, they're doing some works along Star Street, electricity work at Bowling Road. And through Tyler's Green, there are some temporary traffic lights on Elm Road. Roadworks around Penbottom and New Road, and those will be ongoing until, well, the end of this week. They're hoping to have the works done tomorrow. Trains running to time. Tubes, though, in London. Northern Line runs with minor delays. Golders Green to Edgware because of emergency engineering works. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 6.31. Let's get the news and, in inverted commas, sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Headlines. The Mayor of Bedford will chair a meeting today about the decision to close some paediatric services at Bedford Hospital. The new Chief Inspector of Hospitals in England, Professor Sir Mike Richards, has said he wants to recruit a small army of doctors, nurses, par- patients and carers to carry out inspections in future. And detectives are still questioning 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin over the murder of a pensioner at Little Gaddiston in Hertfordshire. Two men and a woman have been arrested on suspicion of assisting an offender. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The first day of golf's 142nd Open Championship gets underway this morning at Muirfield. Our golf correspondent Ian Carter looks ahead. After the continued controversy over Muirfield's male-only policy, the golf itself should now take over the agenda. The course is in magnificent condition and looks primed to identify a stellar champion, which is the hallmark of Open staged here. Justin Rose plays his first major since winning the US Open and tees off at 11 minutes past nine with defending champion Ernie Els. The favourite and world number one Tiger Woods waits until a quarter to three this afternoon to begin his quest for a fourth Open title. 
Alistair Cook says England aren't afraid of making any tough decisions ahead of the second Ashes test against Australia, starting at Lord's this morning at a quarter past 11. Cook and the selectors must decide whether or not to stick with Stephen Finn, who struggled in the first test, or bring in Tim Bresnan. England lead the series 1-0. And Sepp Blatter says he's determined to switch the 2022 World Cup to the winter because of the intense summer heat in Qatar. The FIFA president has revealed he'll discuss the change with his executive committee in October. After having realised that in summertime it is so hot that it is practically not possible to play, and after having received a second report of our medical committee, I have now taken the decision that I will convince FIFA's executive committee that the 2022 World Cup in Qatar shall be played in winter. And that's the latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at seven o'clock. Set Blatter is an idiot. Why? After having realised it is really hot in Qatar <laughs> in the summer, it's Qatar, of course it's hot, you idiot! Everyone's been moaning about that since it was announced. He's just twigged. <laughs> what was he? In it oh, hot though. In it uh, hot though. Oh, do you know what? Got, I'm only <laughs> going to book the Blooming World Cup in, in a country that's really, really hot in summer. What an idiot. <laughs> He's a plum, isn't he? You could say that. I couldn't possibly comment. Thank you very much. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Right. <laughs> Lots coming up in the next 30 minutes of the show. But, uh, well, I've thrown two things out there that have uh, that sort of caught your imagination. The first one is sports that are not sports. Golf is not a sport. Cricket is not a sport. Snooker, you know, there's a sport. Um, and also, well, we've been asking how you keep cool. This has somehow got on to how aeroplanes break. Dennis Indunstable said that an aeroplane with, with fans propellers mate come on that they go clockwise that makes the plane go forwards they go anti-clockwise that makes the plane go backwards or break that can't be right can it well justin Dealey joins me now justin uh, i'm assuming you don't know the answer but you've got someone with you who can help us i've got absolutely no idea myself however i've got a pilot with me surely the question is very simply does the wind go backwards or forwards on a plane is that correct is that the question no the question no what the wind yeah <laughs> show have you been listening to your program the question is mm. if the propellers on an aeroplane go clockwise if the propellers on an aeroplane go clockwise the plane goes forward the plane goes forward if the propellers on the aeroplane go anti-clockwise does the plane go backwards and break if they go anti-clockwise does they go forward and break right okay <laughs> Wally is with me right now Wally, you're a pilot can you answer that question for us that i just put to you then Okay, uh, the wind goes backward. Uh, I mean, the best example of that is um, uh, one of the the airport. One of the airports is right next to the beach. You know, after the airplane touchdown, we see like people trying to stay still, and the wind is blowing them away. Now, when we're talking about the tailwind and the headwind, um, now obviously, if you notice, the summer, if, you, if you make a flight from London to New York, sometimes you know, flying from London to New York, it will take you. Um, eight hours but flying back it will take you 12 hours and that's due to the headwind and the tailwind now if we're talking about the propeller i mean the propulsive force which is you know makes the aircraft balance uh, with me um, and that's what balance the lift and the weight and the drag of, and the thrust of the, the aircraft as, um, now we, w- we would need the wind to blow backward because if it blows um, what? Um, f- forward we're looking at the airplane moving backward as well okay there you go it makes sense and that's a pilot is it yes <laughs> <laughs> justin it, it made literally no sense stay yeah. there because i want to work with you about something else in a okay, second no i want to talk to you in a second uh, roy and luton roy you are a pilot is that correct 
Yeah, an ex-pilot, yeah. An ex-pilot, OK. And I, I didn't understand what that last gentleman was saying. I'll put it like this. I hope it, well, it wouldn't be flying, flying my plane, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about. Tell me about the, the fans, nay, propellers right. on aeroplanes. OK, let's start off with a high-bypass high turbofan. First of all, it is a turbofan. Uh, on approach, uh, let's say a light aircraft could be anything from 80 knots to a commercial um, plane could be anything up to 180 knots on landing. Right. Once it's touched down, what we do is we... I've got no idea what's going on. Yes? In other words, the air coming in the front of the engine... Yeah. ...being blown out of the back of the engine mm. is reversed is... by panels... That close off the thrust coming out the back of the engine and pull it forward. Yes. Okay. Right. And now, the... on a propeller aircraft, yes. you can have what we call collective pitch, where the blades actually turn. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the ideal, um, well, the uh, the plane to really look at is a Hercules C-130, which can actually go backwards on the runway. Right. When the propellers go clockwise, does it go forward? And when they go anti-clockwise, does it make the plane go backwards? Correct. Thank you. I think we got it. You can tell he was an ex-pilot, can't you? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. If you can explain that in English, Justin, very quickly. Whose guess made more sense, yours or mine? <laughs> I'll be honest, neither of them did. They were both <laughs> speaking foreign languages. Very quickly, we've got about thirty seconds. Mm. I know nothing about football. What I have discovered this morning is Sepp Blatter is a plum. Yep. He is um, uh, changing the World Cup to winter because he's only just found out. It gets quite hot in Qatar, yeah. up to 50 degrees. The World Cup in winter. Even to me, that doesn't feel right, Justin. The man is an idiot. Um, a couple of years ago, he famously said, I think that uh, women should wear tighter shorts because more men might then watch them. Yep. Um, that's the type of guy that Sepp Blatter is. He always makes these ridiculous comments. He hasn't got a clue. And, Could you um, enjoy the World Cup at winter. Imagine watching it on Boxing Day. No, no. It's got to be in the summer because, you know, for years, it, this is tradition in this country. World Cups and, and European Championships, they happen in summer. You cannot break tradition. You can't. Justin Dealey, go out and find some people and tell me how they keep cool. I will do. Good lad. What a mess the first 38 minutes of the show have been. I can only apologise. Literally no idea what those two gentlemen were banging on about. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. How are you keeping cool? One, two,
Martin Keynes is back in Zambia today trying to bring his sons home. Ken Spooner's partner, Zanetta Niandwa, took their two young children on a family holiday to her native country five years ago, but never returned. As a result, he embarked on a legal case that has cost him thousands of pounds and years away from his children. Today, a hearing in the Zambian Supreme Court could rule that Ken can bring them back to Milton Keynes. Well, Ken joins me now. There might be a slight delay on the line, so do bear with us. Ken, good morning. What happened back in 2008? Good morning, Ian. Yes, um, in 2008, my uh, wife's partner, Zephany Endworth, um, asked to take our two children on holiday to see her, the grandparents. Um, we'd been separated for six months at the time, and, um, and I was, uh, uh, in fact, the primary care of my children. Um, I didn't see any reason why uh, I should refuse that uh, for them to go and see their grandparents. And, um, but unfortunately, it was a betrayal right from the start. And uh, she had premeditated to abduct the children on the pretense um, of a two-week holiday. How old were the kids then, Ken? And at what point did you realise that something wasn't quite right? Um, the children were aged... Uh, two and uh, three and a half at the time. Um, and, um, well, I, I first of all realised something was wrong about a week into the holiday uh, when Zanetta informed me on the phone that uh, she wanted to extend her stay. Um, I, of course, uh, uh, saw the alarm bells at the time and um, uh, had refused for my permission for that to be the case and extended the holiday. Um, I asked her uh, repeatedly um, through several phone calls, um, you know, when she was uh, intended to return home, um, uh, she wouldn't give me any indication, any indication at all. And, and in fact, I asked her, "Well, you know, can you assure me that they'll be back this time next year?" And her reply was, "No, I haven't booked the tickets yet." Uh, so I think it became pretty obvious at that point that uh, she had no intention of returning home. You, is it true, Ken, you were arrested and thrown in a Zambian prison on kidnap charges? Yeah, that's right. Um, just after the uh, Supreme Court had ruled that uh, the English order, the Wardship order, uh, wouldn't be registered under the Reciprocal Act, um, I had suspicions that they would try something. Um, I was picked up outside a, uh, a restaurant, um, pretty much ambushed, um, thrown into cells for three nights, um, and then put through a malicious prosecution and a trial that uh, lasted for more than six months. How much have you uh, seen of your kids in the last five years, Ken? Well, through the efforts of my lawyers, fortunately I have spent uh, some time with them, albeit, uh, you know, just for an hour or so, mm. uh, under supervised uh, visitation. Wow. That's incredible. So what's happening today, Ken? Well, today the uh, Supreme Court will determine uh, whether or not uh, uh, to um, accept the appeal uh, against my judgment where uh, almost two years ago I actually won sole custody of my two children in the High Court of Zambia um, and uh, declaring their return, their immediate return back to England. How Um, confident are you it's going to go your, your way? I cannot be confident. Unfortunately, it's, yeah, it's out of my hands. It's in, it's in the hands of uh, the Zambian judiciary now. And if you... Uh, I'm just rushing, just because we've run out of time, but this is a fascinating story. If they do give you custody and you're allowed to take your kids home, uh, will your wife let them? Is there a chance that she might disappear again? Well, there's every chance that that could happen. Um, but uh, in, in the uh, 
hopeful event that uh, I'm allowed to return uh, with my children. Um, uh, I think I'm just going to have to take that yeah. day, uh, as it comes. And how much? Uh, I mean, what, what would it mean to you, Ken, bringing the kids back home? Uh, it would mean everything. Uh, you know, this has been a very, very difficult struggle in the last five years. Um, I just want my children back in my life. And I want my children to enjoy a relationship with both parents. And that has been, you know, my fight all the way along. Well, that's that's a very noble attitude for you to take uh, after everything you've been through. Ken, listen, would it be OK if we spoke to you tomorrow? Yes, certainly. If we, no if we, listen, I wish you the best luck with today. I hope it goes your way. And it, maybe we'll speak to you tomorrow morning and just find out how it's all gone and what your plans are. Thank you very much indeed. Ken, good luck. There we go. Incredible. Imagine that. Taken away five years ago, three and two and a half, sort of the age of my kids. Thereabouts. Imagine that, and, and he's he, he can oh he can see them for an hour, supervised. Oh dear, heartbreaking. Well, I wish him the very best of luck, and um, we'll find out what happened uh, on tomorrow's show. Hopefully, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five six forty five. Let's get the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things are slowing up on the M25. Anti-clockwise, there's heavy traffic into the roadworks past Junction 25 for the A10 at Enfield and Chesant. Heavy again past Kings Langley at Junction 20 and slow from Maple Cross to the M40 Junction 17 to 16. On the M40, traffic is starting to build as well with slow-moving traffic right now between Stoke and Church at Junction 5 and High Wycombe at Junction 4. Speed sensors suggesting delays starting to build a little bit through there not looking too bad though the a5 in dunstable pretty much the same there's a short delay on the sensors coming down toward the junction with the a505 things running well on the m1 though and for the moment no problems on the trains adam glynn bbc three counties radio thank you very much adam on the subject of how are you keeping cool in this obscene heat claire barber on twitter says conducting my business in shorts no 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 short you cannot be respected as a business person in shorts for goodness sakes she then goes on is it pushing it to add flip-flops to the mix claire barber naughty right 6 47 it's thursday the 18th of july i'm ian lee these are your headlines on bbc three counties radio the mayor of bedford will chair a meeting today about the decision to close paediatric services at bedford hospital the new chief inspector of hospitals in england professor sir mike richards has said he wants to recruit a small army of doctors nurses patients and carers to carry out inspections in future in sport, Alistair Cook says England aren't, it's not a sport, aren't afraid of making any tough decisions ahead of the second Ashes test against Australia, starting at Lords this morning at 11.15. Well, cricket's not a sport, golf's not a sport, what other sports are not sports? 81333, start your text 3CR. Coming up before 7 o'clock, we'll hear the story about the shooting in Luton that left a man unable to walk again. Before that, let's get the travel. Here's Elizabeth Rosini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, good morning, Ian. Do you want the travel or the weather? Oh, what did I say? You said the travel. Let, I'll give you the weather. Let's have the weather, please, Elizabeth, unless of your lip as well. <laughs> All right, then. OK, thanks very much. You're welcome. Uh, well, yesterday we got up to 30 degrees in a couple of spots around the three counties. I think today we could possibly see the same. I think the highest of today's temperatures most likely to be over Buckinghamshire, where once more we could be looking at uh, temperatures in the big three zero. Towards Hertfordshire, it is going to be slightly cooler today than it was yesterday. That's mostly because we've got an easterly breeze that's feeding in some cooler air from the north sea. 
see. So slightly better news there, I think, if you are finding this heat a little bit tricky. Now, there's some fog and some mist patches. They will quickly burn away. So lots of sunshine around today, a bit of fair weather cloud through the afternoon. You know the story. An easterly breeze, um, very high temperatures once more. We could be looking at 30 degrees, as I said. Um, as we head through into this evening and overnight, again, a rather uncomfortable night's sleep for some of us. Temperatures down to between 16 and 18 degrees in many of our towns. And then as we get through into tomorrow, that easterly breeze is going to feel, feed some more cooler air, or feed some cooler air in, rather. Um, and uh, we'll see temperatures up to between 26 and 28 degrees. So it is going to feel cooler tomorrow. Still lots of sunshine around, a bit of cloud to end the day tomorrow. And that cloud will stay with us into Saturday morning. Um, Saturday then, a bit of a cloudy start to the weekend. Temperatures to 24, 25 degrees. So that's a lot more comfortable now, isn't it? There'll be lots of sunshine around through the afternoon, particularly for western areas. By Sunday, the temperatures could start to creep up again. We're going to see some um, much more humid air just uh, pushing from the southeast, and that could trigger off some thunderstorms again. So possibly um, ending ending the week on a bit of a thundery note, and the risk of those storms will continue. There was thunder yesterday! I know. Oh, it was thunder and hot rain. Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. Drops, big drops. They were... They were huge drops of rain, weren't they? <laughs> they were incredible. Elizabeth, very quickly, sorry to interrupt. What what do you do to keep cool in this weather? Um, I Well, yesterday I, I just had enough and I went off to the Isle of Wight. There you go. <laughs> S- sorry? You just went to the Isle of Wight? My parents lived there. It was all right. I just head for the coast. Mm, nice. Elizabeth, thank you very much. Bye. Ta-ta. Did you see it? They were like golf balls of rain yesterday. It was incredible. Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS show. You just can't carry on with life. It, I mean, it's just awful. With the biggest opinions. It's about time somebody or an organisation has stood up and basically smelt the coffee. Well, it depends on the individual, actually. Let's pollute the planet even more. We should pollute it so much your Pinot Gris show goes rotten. And the biggest local talking points. What we really need to do is for everyone in, in the country to reduce their energy consumption, not increase it. The JVS show, weekdays from Nine BBC Three Counties Radio is a cracking song. One day you'll look to see I've gone, for tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. Someday you'll know I was the one, but tomorrow. And now the time has come And so my love I must go And though I lose a friend In the end you will know Oh, one day you'll find That I have gone But tomorrow may rain So I'll follow the sun
08459-455-555 is the phone number. Now, a man unable to walk after being shot in rush hour traffic in Luton says he's devastated by the silence from the local community. 27-year-old Atif Ali was driving on Dunstable Road one morning in May when another car bumped into him. He got out of his car to talk to the other driver but was shot in the leg. The person responsible drove away. His family has offered a £15,000 reward to anyone with any information about what happened. Bedfordshire police say this shooting was not connected to to gang-related gun crime in the town. Atif, who has just come out of hospital following seven operations, spoke to BBC Three Counties Chetan Patak. So I got out of the car, went to the back to check whether I'd been hit, had a look at the bumper. As I was just about to turn around to have a look at the guy who was in the car behind me. The guy had already got out of the car and I heard another bang and as I lost my balance and I fell to the floor, looked down and saw my leg and it was kind of hanging off. Managed to drag myself onto the footpath and started to call for help. I did try and kind of turn around and see if I can remember the number plate as it drove off but you know, in that situation you, you, you've got so many things running through your head it's, it's a bit difficult. You're on your way to work even in a normal accident situation you don't think Oh, I better get a look, good look at this guy. I mean, I'm about to get shot in 30 seconds. It just doesn't cross your mind. There were cars ahead of me. There were cars behind that car. There were kids going to school, people going to work. It was 8 o'clock in the morning on a Monday Monday morning. There's bound to be people there that would have either seen the car trying to get away or the car hitting my car. They're bound to have seen something. I was very, very, very fortunate with the way things happened. One of the first people that turned up was actually a family friend. He didn't actually know it was me. He just saw somebody lying on the floor calling for help. So he pulled up and as he approached, he realised it was me. He called an ambulance straight away. And then there was a lovely lady that turned up who just happened to be passing by and happened to be a first aider. And a gentleman as well who, again, knew exactly what he was doing, stopped my blood and that more or less saved my life. Because if he hadn't done that, I was losing blood at a rate that was really alarming. For anyone to spend two months in hospital is a nightmare. And it wasn't even the fact that I had to personally go through what I had to go through. It was the fact that I had to see people around me, family, friends, loved ones, that what they had to go through and see that on a daily basis was really, really disturbing. You've had seven operations on your leg. What's the prognosis from doctors? bit difficult to say at the moment. I like to be optimistic, but if I'm truthful to myself and to everyone, the fact is that we're not going to know until later down the line. I don't know what what the future holds at the moment. It's a long road ahead for me. Is the fact that you might not be able to walk again something that you think about or just try to block out, really? Block out. Since the day I've been in hospital, I haven't thought about that. The only thing that's been going through my head is kind of getting myself back up on my feet. Do you have any idea why it was you on that day that was shot at? No, I don't. I mean, well, like I said to you, I didn't get a good good look at the person who, who did it. So maybe if I did, then maybe that would be an inkling to your question. And you'd never been in trouble with the police before? Apart from a parking ticket, maybe. <laughs> uh, I've never really had any problem with the police in my life. Your family now have put forward a £15,000 reward to see if they can catch this person. Talk me through the decision to put that reward forward. To be honest with you, it was a bit of a surprise to me. It's a bit disappointing, a bit hurtful that you have to put up a £15,000 reward in order to get justice from your community. 
and people that you know, people that know you. It was, it was an incident that happened in, in the local area. It could have been anyone. And I know that if I was in that situation where I could help someone in my local community, I'd do it. Well, you can hear more on this story on the Chet and Partak uh, show Sunday night from six o'clock on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, was on Dunstable Road just after the shooting took place on the 20th of May. Signs are still in place, appealing for witnesses to come forward. There have been nine shootings in Luton this year, but this concerned local residents even more because it wasn't gang-related. Well, Justin Dealey spoke to this lady who lives just yards from where the shooting took place. Devastated. Absolutely devastated because I've got young kids. I'm speechless. I don't know. I mean, I'm shaking right now. Honestly, I don't even know how I'm going to go to work. You're very emotional. You're almost crying, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I am. Because this is unbelievable. Are you now terrified about living in Luton? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I just told my husband I want to go. We move out. Go somewhere else. I don't know. <sighs> Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Two things. How are you keeping cool in this ridiculous heat? JD is out and about finding out how people keep cool. The way he keeps cool is he undoes another button on his shirt. It really is quite unpleasant for everybody involved. Your little tricks and tips, please. I said I blew my my eldest boy's mind the other day. He was in bed too. I'm too hot, Dad. I can't sleep. I turned the pillow over him. I, I taught him the cool pillow trick. Wow, it's so cool, Dada. Thank you. Yeah, that's the kind of guy I am. How are you keeping cool? And also, uh, sports that are not sports. Golf is not a sport. Cricket, it can't be a sport if you wear a jumper and you have someone poorer than you carrying a bag with all your equipment around. You can give us a text on that. 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Here's the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M40 northbound has a lane closed following an accident with a lorry involved between Junction 4 at High Wycombe and 5 at Stoke and Church. Lane 1 is closed off. A lorry has crashed through the northbound central reservation and onto the southbound carriageway. Traffic seems to be moving reasonably well on the sensors. The London-bound side, you've got lane 3, the outside lane, closed off because of that accident. Left a bit of a spill behind as well, so that'll have to be cleared up. We are hearing reports that the lorry involved in this accident has been moved over to the hard shoulder, though, but you're still going to find delays. Certainly on the London-bound side, it's looking particularly busy between junctions 5 and 4. The M25 anti-clockwise, very slow from the M11 now, through into the roadworks section past Enfield. Busy from the M1 to Kings Langley, slow from Maple Cross to the M40. Northern Line Tube, back to normal service after emergency engineering works at Golders Green. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up in the next hour of the show, the latest on Bedford Hospital and the meeting that's taking place tonight. And what are you doing to stay cool in this obscene heat? On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 
seven o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, Bedford Hospital bosses face public grilling, Luton shooting victim speaks out, and developers have designs on Bishop Stortford. BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford Hospital's bosses face a grilling at Borough Hall this morning where a public meeting's been called to discuss changes to children's services. Junior doctors will no longer train on Riverbank Ward from the end of this month after raising concerns about the standard of supervision by senior staff. Management say the resulting shortfall in personnel has left them no choice but to send children's A&E and overnight patients to neighbouring hospitals as an interim measure. Campaigners insist this is closure by stealth. More on this up next with Ian Lee. NHS patients are to be recruited to help inspect hospitals in the wake of concerns about the quality of care at some. The new Chief Inspector of Hospitals, Professor Sir Mike Richards, has said he wants to introduce a robust, fair and transparent inspection system. Earlier this week, the Health Secretary announced that Buckinghamshire is one of 11 hospital trusts with high death rates, which was put into special measures after a report found fundamental failings. The jury in the trial of a man from Stevenage accused of murdering his 19-year-old girlfriend has been hearing final arguments from the prosecution and defence. 22-year-old Jack Wall admits killing Amelia Arnold but says it was manslaughter and not murder. Ben Bland has been at Blackfriars Crown Court. The defence said that he didn't intend to cause her serious harm or kill her. There was nothing in his background to suggest it. He lost control, not just lost his temper, but actually lost control because of that trigger. And that's why... The defence say it's manslaughter and not murder. Detectives are still questioning a man over the murder of a pensioner at Little Gaddiston in Hertfordshire. 66-year-old Graham Buck was fatally stabbed while trying to help an elderly neighbour who was being robbed. Two men and a woman have also been arrested on suspicion of assisting the main suspect, 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin. The victim of an apparent road rage shooting in Luton is urging witnesses to break their silence. 27-year-old Atif Ali was hit from behind at Dunstable Road's junction with Leicester Road on the 20th of May when he got out to inspect the damage to his car. The other driver shot him in the leg, leaving him with the prospect of never walking again. Since the day I've been in hospital, I haven't thought about that. The only thing that's been going through my head is kind of getting myself back up on my feet, um, keeping my thoughts light. And you have to really, isn't it? I mean, I'm not really the type of person that kind of sits there and cries about things and whatnot. You know, I like to get on with it. The owners of a casino set to open in Milton Keynes later this summer are confident they have measures in place to combat problem gambling. The venue at the Xgate building will be opened by gambling giants Aspers in September. In sport, Alistair Cook says England aren't afraid of making any tough decisions ahead of the second Ashes test against Australia. That starts at Lord's this morning at 11.15. Cook and the selectors must decide whether or not to stick with Stephen Finn, who struggled in the first test, or bring in Tim Bresnan. England lead the series 1-0. The weather, plenty of sunshine with barely a cloud in the sky and a top temperature of 29 degrees Celsius, that's 84 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning, including talking more about Bedford Hospital and its decision to close its children's service. It's an issue we've been looking at all week, and as protesters work out their campaign to get the services back, today sees a meeting held by the town's mayor. The owners of a new casino in Milton Keynes opened their doors to the media yesterday. Well, lots of people are concerned about this, but really, 
Is there anything wrong with gambling? And two little things to th- throw out there. How are you keeping cool in this hot heat? We heard that Dennis in Dunstable has installed his own uh, fans in the ceiling. That can't be safe. What if he's not uh, fixed it properly and he comes home and, and Mrs Dennis is decapitated one day? It'll be awful. And the second thing is... Sports that aren't sports. Golf is not a sport. You can't play a sport if you're wearing a jersey and slacks. It just doesn't... Golf is not a sport. How can it be a sport if you're stopping for lunch? Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The Mayor of Bedford will chair a meeting today about the decision to close paediatric services at Bedford Hospital. An announcement was made on Monday following the withdrawal of junior medical trainees working in children's services by the board that trains them. Well, our political Paul, uh, reporter Paul Scoynes will be going to the meeting tonight. Paul, remind us why this... Uh, uh, sorry, this meeting this morning. Remind us why this is taking place today. Well, it's a, a long sort of process that we've got to here um if you remember several weeks ago it was the uh, junior doctors had been withdrawn that followed complaints in april uh, uh, about a lack of supervision on some of those paediatric wards uh, and then the uh, Ed health education east of england which is the body which is sort of responsible for training doctors they took that decision to withdraw those trainees here is professor simon gregory from that uh, from that organization he told the bbc why they did that This was about the risk of something happening and it got to the stage when our trainees were really distressed that they felt they were practicing in an unsafe way and that they might harm a child because they weren't getting the support. And there were a number of instances when in a crisis the trainees called for help and that help wasn't forthcoming and that was what particularly concerned them because as you will appreciate doctors in training by definition are not fully competent. They must know their boundaries. I think the extreme examples were possibly one consultant. That's, that's part of an investigation at the moment and that consultant will have their rights to express their version of what happened and such like. But we wouldn't remove trainees just based around one consultant because the others would then be able to cover that. I think the other problem has been that Bedford, as, as quite an old-style department, hasn't been a place that could recruit easily. So a, a a unit that size should have eight whole-time equivalent consultants, and at one point it was down to uh, 2.8 to 3.8. And, and that means that even if they're really good, really committed people who come when called, they're spread too thinly. As a result of that, Paul, can you explain what happened? Well, I mean, that was particularly one of the points that was a problem. Uh, the the uh, junior doctor on one occasion called a consultant four times when they had a, a child who was fitting in the uh, in the unit, and uh, the the senior consultant, you know, failed to respond to that call initially, um, and has subsequently been suspended pending an investigation. Uh, so, as a result of all of the closures. Uh, you've had children's A&E and, and by the way and they define children up to the age of 19 excuse me yeah well, so, well, where, nowhere else defines children as nine to, up to 19 I know. incredible so if you if you are 19 and under in Bedford and you have uh, a, a, an accident which requires um, you know A&E 
uh, walk-in services, you will have to phone an ambulance and go to Milton Keynes. It's That's what's been recommended. incredible. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I, I can't really understand why it's been up to the age of 19, and hopefully this meeting today might get to the bottom of that. But certainly that, uh, overnight care on the Riverbank Ward and the Children's Assessment Unit, they've both been closed. Uh, and so those services, as I say, are, have been re- relocated in most uh, cases to other hospitals in the area, including Milton Keynes. Now, on uh, Tuesday, the day after uh, our outside broadcast at uh, Bedford Hospital, you asked uh, the acting chief executive of the hospital, Stephen Conroy, whether he could guarantee that this was just a short-term measure. This is what we want to look at. I heard the mayor saying... You, you say uh, you want to look on. at. Will, will, do you want them to open again? Uh, absolutely. The, 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 the Riverbank staff are very keen to keep that... All, all three of them? Well, the, a, the A&E, is... the Riverbank and the Children's Assessment Unit, you want all three of them to open again? That's what we're looking at. What I'm saying, though, is that if we can't provide those services in a sustainable way on our own, we need to work with another hospital. They're not going to open again, are they? We want to provide it, but it has to be sustainable. They're not the gonna, GPs have to want to buy it. I put it to you, Stephen, they're, they're not going to open again. That once you've closed them, it's going to be harder to reopen them. Uh, well, we've still got all the nursing staff, though. Uh, we're recruiting the medical staff, so that option is, is fully open as far as I'm concerned. Now, Stephen Conroy went on to say that he hoped that services would be reinstated by May, but there are concerns that this might not happen. Ray McKeating, whose son Joshua has relied on the services at the Children's Unit in Bedford, is campaigning for them to be reopened. Unfortunately, this is just uh, a blatant act uh, of a cap service that's being uh, run down purposely Uh, to forge uh, a merger with other local hospitals. Stephen Conroy said that he hoped to have all of the services back within a few months, uh, possibly March next year. What what do you think about that? Do you think they will come back? No, the the services aren't coming back. And the meeting today, can anyone go to that, Paul? Yeah, it's a public meeting. It's one of these meetings that uh, probably happens every single month or so. Uh, as normal but of course extra focus will be on uh, today's meeting Lib Dem Mayor of Bedford Dave Hodgson who chairs this backbench committee says that uh, clarity from the hospital is needed to reassure the public and uh, there's political pressure from all sides as the uh, MPs for in sort of North Bedfordshire Bedford MP Richard Fuller and the Foreign Office Minister and North East Beds MP Alistair Burt they've both called for an inquiry and Labour too have been questioning exactly what uh, this lack of provision will mean not just for Bedford but for Milton Keynes as well which will inevitably sort of fill in with some of the uh, the capacity. Paul Scoynes, thank you very much. Stay there because I do want to have a word with you in a second. Before that though, Tony Hooper from Flitwick is affected directly by this. Her 11-year-old son has a chronic condition and uses the services at Bedford. Uh, Morning, Tony. I believe your son's called Jonathan. Just explain briefly what his condition is. Um, He's had lots and lots of infections and he has permanently low iron. And so we've been working with Riverbank to find out what the cause is. And this has been ongoing for the last couple of years. And how often do you use the services at, at Bedford Hospital? Um, well, at the end of last year, it was sort of more or less monthly because wow. of the infections that he was having. Um, it's less now because they've got him under control. Well, that's, that's good news. Could you get to Milton Keynes Hospital? I fortunately can because I drive, but there's an awful lot of people that don't drive mm. that couldn't af- afford to get there if they had to use public transport. And also, I think by closing this down, it's going to have a massive impact on the ambulance services because people will think twice about hanging on just a few minutes longer. 
you, you, we have heard uh, stories in the past few weeks about how the ambulance service is uh, struggling ever so slightly. And you're right, this could uh, people are concerned this could put a bigger uh, demand on the ambulance service. What would you like to see happen, Tony? Well, if the other hospitals think that they can cope with the influx from Bedford Hospital, why can't they second one of their consultants for part a week, a whole week, month, to keep the hospital open? Uh, Tony, uh, will you be going to the meeting today? No, unfortunately I'm at work Ah, ah, you have a proper job, I see (laughs) One of those Well, Tony, listen, best of luck to Jonathan I'm glad that it it sounds like you've turned a corner with that situation Well, I'm still not happy with the ward shutting No, no, of course not Um, Because Jonathan still needs frequent care from there And, like, when he's been poorly I've been able to ring up the ward Mm. And... Well, you build a relationship, don't you? With, if you're there that often, and as someone who's had to take their little boy to hospital quite a bit, you build up a relationship with the, with the doctors and the experts and the nurses. They know you, they know him, he feels at ease. So it is important, isn't it? It is very important, because one of the things my son says to me is there a particular sister on when we go in. Um, she works in the ambulatory care, and she's fantastic, as is the asthma specialist nurse that they have there. She is fantastic, and they have really cared for Jonathan alongside all the other nurses and the doctors. You know, he's having quite a few questions about if he has to go into hospital to a different hospital. I bet he is. Tony, thank you very much uh, for joining us this morning. 08459 455555. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't go anywhere, Paul Scoynes. Huh? <laughs> we had a genuine... Because... Do you remember going to school with a guy called... No, we haven't. But we're talking... It's flipping hot this morning. And I, yeah. I, I, you told me before you came in, you struggled to sleep last night. I Partly did. concerns over your cat, who's yeah. turned up safe and well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's around. But, ma- but mainly the heat. Hmm. Well, it was the heat. It was, the, it was uh, you know, oppressive heat. And you have the window open in your bedroom. Oppressive, that's the word. I keep saying offensive heat. Yeah, well, you know. Well, I mean, it is offensive to some oh. people. Yes. What, what tips have you got to keep cool? This is what we're asking people this morning. Tips to keep cool. I, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Mm. A cold flannel on my downstairs. Really? And I don't mean my living room. <laughs> <laughs> little well, cold flannel just there. A little wipe. Whatever works for you, I yeah. think, is You got important. any tips? I, I like to run my wrists under a cold tap. That's the, co- that's the quickest way to cool your body down, apparently. Because your veins are very close to the surface of the skin. So you rub... So, what? Is that true? It's like cooling your blood down. Yeah, nice cool blood. Mm. <laughs> I noticed today it's the hottest day of the year. Yes. You're wearing a suit. I know. You never wear a suit, and you've got a suit on. I've got to go to this meeting. You don't need to wear a suit. Every, they'll all be wearing suits. I can't turn up in Bermuda shorts. <laughs> Do you remember? I'm not Gareth Lloyd. <laughs> Do you remember? Do you remember in, in the mid-90s, there was a fashion for a couple of years, two years, oh. of suits. Yes. But with shorts. With shorts. Shorty Shor- suits. Shorty suits. Do you remember that? Shoots. No. Um, yes, I do remember. And they were usual, usually pastel-coloured. They were awful, weren't yeah. they? No, the problem for, for last night was, was you, you want to have your window open. Yeah. But we, we have to be careful because the cat jumps out of the window and then there's all manner of trauma. But, so we, have to, we had the window open and the door closed. But then, of course, your room floods with mosquitoes. And there's nothing worse going off to sleep with that... A mosquito with a lisp. Yeah.
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. What about a linen suit like the man from Del Monte? Is that acceptable in this weather? No! No? You sure? Yes! M40 northbound, there's a lane closed, an accident, a spillage. This was a lorry that went through the central reservation from the northbound carriageway onto the southbound side. So northbound, lane 3 has been closed, and on the London-bound side, lanes 3 and 2 are closed. We're hearing that the lorry is on the southbound hard shoulder, so at least it has been moved out of the way, but it's left debris behind it, and it's left a spill of fuel as well. So things are looking particularly slow on that London-bound side, as you've got those two lanes closed off, and all traffic is having to get through in only lane 1 between Stoke and Church at Junction 5 and High Wycombe at Junction 4. The M25 anti-clockwise slow from the M11 toward Enfield, busy from the M1 to Kings Langley and slow again from Chorleywood round to the M40. The A1 into London slowing up in Boreham Woods from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus as well, but trains and tubes are running to time. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 7.17, it's Thursday the 18th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford Hospitals, uh, Bedford Hospital face a grilling at Borough Hall this morning where a public meeting's been called to discuss changes to children's services. Detectives are still questioning 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin following the murder of a pensioner at Little Gadsden on Saturday. In sport, it's not sport. The Open Championship gets underway at Muirfield this morning with Rory McIlroy looking for his third major title. Coming up, we're talking about the new casino in Milton Keynes. Um, People always get a bit upset when there's talk of a casino moving in the area but really is there anything wrong with gambling 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Nick Coffer across beds, hearts and bucks. On Friday to celebrate the beautiful weather we're taking the programme to the Waterways Festival in Watford. Nick Coffer will bring you all the sights and sounds from the day including learning about the boating lifestyle on the Grand Union Canal. Across beds, hearts and bucks. Plus I'll have a go at bricklaying, there'll be live music and I'll get to meet one of the UK's last surviving towpath tractors and finding out what they actually are and what they do. Nick Coffer live from the Waterways Festival in Watford, Friday from midday on BBC Three Counties Radio. I do, to keep cool, seriously, sometimes uh, a cold flannel just to give uh, the downstairs department, and I'm not talking about Debenhams, a little wipe, a swipette. Those um, uh, wet wipes are very good as well. Paul Scoynes uh, r- runs his uh, uh, runs cold water on, on his um, wrists. Really? Is that the best way? What, what tips have you got, dear listener, for keeping cool? How do you do it? We could all use them. 08459 455 555. The BBC has been given access to the new casino that's due to open in Milton Keynes in September. The owners, Aspers, open the doors to see how development's progressing. The complex, based at the Escape building, will include a restaurant, bars and more than 100 slot machines. Well, does it worry you that it's so easy to gamble or do you think... There's nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, Well, here's what Professor Peter Collins, the former director of the Centre for the Study of Gambling at Salford University, said to me earlier. It's not at all clear that simply the availability of new casinos actually causes this problem. What seems to happen is that people with a tendency to addictive problems, which might include compulsive shopping, for example 
find an outlet for their addiction in whatever gambling facilities are available. Well, Austin Graham is the Operations Director for Asper's Casino. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Ian. Austin, there, there will be people who will be concerned about uh, having a gambling or a casino in Milton Keynes. What would you say to them? Uh, well, first of all, I'd say it would be naive of us not to acknowledge that for some people it can be a problem. Uh, and we, of course, are a very res- socially responsible operator and we take our responsibilities extremely seriously. So, uh, Austin, are you on a speakerphone or anything? We can't, we can't hear you. Ah, OK, how's that? There we go, that's better, that's better. Okay, sorry about that. That's okay. That's what I said. No, not a word. Of it, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. So, God, the, uh, those cons- people who are concerned. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, it'd be naive of us not to acknowledge that for some people it can be an issue, uh, and it's well documented. So, we are we are a socially responsible operator. We take our those responsibilities very seriously, and we we have things in place to identify people who may have a, an issue with gambling, and then there are things that we can do to support and help those people. How do you recognise those people, Austin? What, what, what the, but things have you got in place? Uh, I suppose there's a lot of training that takes place for us. There's a lot of uh, telltale signs. One of the great advantages that we have in a casino environment is that we have quite a close relationship with our customers uh, because we see them face-to-face. So it's not like... Uh, maybe taking part and gambling on the internet where you're not really interacting so directly with the customer. So it does give us an advantage. And then we can spot people's changes, habits or behaviours. And simple little things can can give us an indication uh, that somebody may be having a problem with gambling, such as somebody going to an ATM machine at five to midnight and then revisiting the same machine at five past midnight to take advantage of the fact that they have an allowance on two different days. That would cause us to go and speak to somebody and, and ask them uh, whether whether they could do with some support and whether they were doing the right things when they were in the casino. Uh, and what if they? Because I don't know how this works. What if they say no? Jog on, mate. I'm I'm all right. Would Would you take them at face value? Would you ask them to leave the casino? Would you refuse to let them play? How How would it work? Sort of the some of the procedures that we have in place would in would involve us making a record of the conversations that we have with people and then continuing to monitor. Uh, and then continuing to have conversations. And from my experience, when, when we approach, if we do approach somebody and somebody says uh, that they, they don't have a problem, we would, we would continue to monitor. But you st- you'd still take their money? Would I still take their money? It would very much depend on the circumstances. So, so has uh, uh, Asper's ever refused people service or asked them to leave because they were gambling too much? Uh, yes, I have. I have not just for this company, but for other companies as well. Uh, it's fairly common practice in the industry to uh, to stop people because, again, it's important to us that people don't have a problem. It's not good for us, it's not good for the people, and it's not good for the industry. We're very much under the spotlight uh, with with this, with, uh, with responsible gaming, so that's why we take it so seriously and ensure that we do our very best as an industry to stop it happening. What, what are the opening hours for the casino? Is it going to be 24-7? How's, how's it going to work? Yes, it's going to be 24-7. And uh, finally, Austin, what's your favourite game? I'm, I'm partial to a little bit of, uh, uh, of the roulette, because, simply because I have a system that works. I'm not going to tell you what it is, because you're balmy, <laughs> yeah. but I have, a, I have a, a working system. What's your, what's your favourite little flutter? Uh, I, like, I like to play poker, and I like to play roulette or blackjack. See, the, the thing about <clears throat> the blackjack, I always thought it was like Pontoon 21, and I sat down for a game once, there, there's all kind of crazy rules in there that I don't get. 
are there slightly different rules than the game that we used to play at home? Yes, yeah, I could agree with that. And there are many variations of the game of blackjack these days. So I think you have to just check carefully which game yeah. you're playing before you start. Austin, thank you very much indeed. It's Austin Graham, um, who is from uh, Aspers, uh, Operations Director for Aspers Casino. I don't think there's. I don't think that there's anything wrong with a bit of gambling. It's the same. People will have problems with it in the same way that people will have problems with alcohol. It doesn't mean you should bar all bars. Huh? You shouldn't close down all pubs just because some people will have a problem with it. It's like you shouldn't. I, I was being a little bit harsh with Austin there, finding out his measures uh, in place to protect the, the slightly vulnerable. But um, I, is there anything wrong with gambling? If gambling has affected your life either because you've got a problem with it or someone close to you has. Could you give us a call? 08459 455 555. A, a new casino opening. It's not a super casino, but a new casino opening in, um, uh, in Milton Keynes. Does that worry you at all? Or do you think, no, fair play to them? Be nice, be a nice night out, get a bit of food, go down there with the, with the mates, your lads. Do nice food in casinos. Mm, I wait four five nine, four double five five double five. Well, exactly a month ago today, I'm moving on to a new story, hence the tone in voice changing. That's what that is. It's a, a technique I use. Um, exactly uh, a month ago today, I spoke to uh, Norman uh, Linna, who is a chartered meteorologist and past vice president of the Royal Meteorological Society. The reason, well, it was because you remember a month ago the weather was awful. June was appalling. Well, this is what Norman had to tell me one month ago today. I think really what's happening is we're reverting back to what is our more normal summer weather. This is the normal... It's the middle of June, Norman, and uh, it's miserable, it's grey, maybe we get a little bit of sunshine for a couple of hours. It was raining yesterday a little bit. Is this what we have to get used to now? I think that's what we've always been used to in this country. Uh, I'm I'm of an age where I can remember the summers of the the 60s, which were a lot worse than this one. Well... Norman's back on the line. Good morning, Norman. Good morning. It's been a little bit of a turnaround, hasn't it? Has indeed, hasn't it? You, you, were, you were setting us up for a con- continuation of miserable weather and saying, let's all get used to it. Suddenly, it's the hottest year ever. Look at this, the Daily... Uh, where is it? The Daily Express. Britain's driest July for 247 years. Uh, I think that might be a bit of an exaggeration. Oh, how, yeah, actually, that's a good point. How would they know? Uh, good question. Yes. Our records go back uh, that long. I'm sure you, you'll find somewhere where it is. But it's, it's, not, it's not anything like the summer of 1976, for example. Norman, d- did you get it wrong? Um, no, I don't think anybody predicted that uh, it was going to be as, as warm and dry a spell as we've got, certainly. It did look as if it was going to get a bit better, but certainly nothing like this. How long is this going to go on for? Because to be honest, I've had enough. I preferred it when it was wet. Likewise, I have as well. Yeah. Um, certainly it looks like there's a, it's got another week to run at least. Um, beyond that, a bit uncertain. It, it, probably there's going to be a little bit more of the thundery weather that uh, just a few parts of the country had yesterday. Yeah. Northwest, of, northwest and west of London was a little bit of thund- thundery activity. And I think probably during the coming week we'll gradually see a little bit more of that. But it's still going to stay pretty hot. I think people, uh, people connected with the weather are the only people to use the word gradually. Uh, Norman, why, why is it so hot? And don't, don't say the sun, <laughs> please. What's changed? Well, we've got uh, high pressure pretty well over the country at the moment. The, the air is pretty, pretty stagnated over the country. It's, there's very little wind at all. And with the clear skies, every, every day with the, the high sun at, the, at this time of year, it just heats up. And the, it's, the, there's no wind coming in off the sea to, to cool 
down, so inland it just heats up every day. Last night I saw and uh, uh, the biggest raindrops I've ever seen in my life. You could see the individual raindrops. They were like golf balls. How does that happen? That, that, that's uh, the, the thunderstorms developing. When you get this uh, amount of heat and the humid air, you, you, you tend to get very, very tall clouds developing, and the, the, the raindrops can grow to a very large size in those clouds. They're not dangerous, are they? They couldn't knock a small child down or anything. They're not quite like that. OK, that's good. Finally, Norman, what, what, what tips have you got for keeping cool? I had to sleep naked, and I like to give my downstairs a little wipe with a wet wipe. Paul, I know, sorry. Political reporter Paul Scoynes rubs, uh, runs his uh, cold water over his wrists. What do you do to keep cool, Norman? Cool showers, I do. That's what I use. Oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed a cold shower yesterday. We'd, we'd forgot to heat the water, but I didn't mind, to be honest. Norman, thank you very much. Always a pleasure to talk to you. That's uh, Norman Liner, who is a chartered meteorologist. Do you want your tips this morning for keeping cool? It's too hot. Sat in the paddling pool the other day. I don't like paddling pools. I don't like being wet or dirty. I don't like dirty feet. This is why I don't like beaches, okay? Because they're fun for a bit, and then if you go in the sea, then you come out, you get sand on you. How do you get the sand off? You can't. So that means for the rest of the afternoon on the beach, you've got sand on you. Then when you walk to the car, you've got sand on you. Then in the car, talcum powder on a beach. Are you, are you insane, producer Tara? That's crazy. You're sat in the car with uh, a wet bottom and sandy feet. It's horrible. I really don't like beaches. The film is excellent. The, the actual physical place, not so good. How are you keeping cool in this weather, dear listener? 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Problems on the M40 this morning. Northbound, there's one lane closed after an accident which left a spill behind it. There was a lorry involved there between Junction 4 at High Wycombe and 5 at Stoke and Church. The lorry went through the central reservation and onto the southbound carriageway. And on that southbound, it's London-bound side. Two lanes are closed because of this accident and it's looking very, very slow. The lorry's been moved out of the way. It's on the southbound hard shoulder, we believe, but we've got long delays and big queues approaching the uh, closure of those two lanes on the London-bound side. Now, if you're using the M1 this morning, it's looking a bit slow southbound from Junction 10 at the Luton Airport Spur toward Junction 9 for the A5 at Redbourne. And plenty of traffic on the M25. Anti-clockwise, very slow into the roadworks section past Junction 25. Slow again from the M1 to Kings Langley and then down to a little bit of a crawl from Chorleywood towards the M40 at Junction 16. Trains and tubes, though, are running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> Imagine going on a tube today. Oh, I have to. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. With the 7.30 headlines, I'm Catherine Boyle. Bedford Hospital bosses face a grilling at Borough Hall this morning where a public meeting's been called to discuss changes to children's services. Detectives are still questioning 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin following the murder of a pensioner at Little Gaddiston on Saturday. And the owners of a casino set to open in Milton Keynes in September say they've put measures in place to combat problem gambling. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Jose Mourinho says Wayne Rooney is Chelsea's only summer transfer target after Manchester United rejected their bid for the England striker. Mourinho also denied suggestions that David Luiz, Juan Mata or any other player were offered as part of the deal. We want the player, we are interested in the player, we made the bid and now we have nothing more to say. 
and nothing more to do. And now we have to respect, of course, Man United, and we have to be ethic in this process. So no more comments. Have you bid for anybody else? No, and we won't. Alistair Cook says England aren't afraid of making tough decisions ahead of the second Ashes test, which starts at a quarter past 11 this morning at Lords. Speculation surrounds Steve Finn's place, despite England's victory in the first test against Australia. The Open Championships get underway this morning and Rory McIlroy is looking for his third major title, but the world number two has yet to win a tournament this season and missed the cut in his last start at the Irish Open. McIlroy's dip in form coincides with the signing of a multi-million dollar sponsorship deal in January to use Nike clubs and balls, but he insists the two Two things are not related. You know, at one point or another, I'm, you know, I, I had to change all my clubs, and I'd rather do it in say a three or six month period, and then go from there because, you know, hopefully I have a, you know, fingers crossed, have a have a, a long career. So you know, you know, having a, a three or six month period where you know, your game isn't necessarily where you want it to be isn't a huge sacrifice in the in the big picture of things. And that's your latest news in sports. I'll be back with more at eight o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We'll find out later on how Catherine Boyle keeps cool. But we, uh, lots coming up in the next 30 minutes, including crime stats um, and also uh, sports that are not sports. But now, it's very hot, isn't it? Have you noticed? It's quite warm. I had to sleep in the nuddy last night. It's horrible for everybody involved. Well, I'm asking for your tips on keeping cool and sharing them with the three counties. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has uh, almost all of his shirt buttons open, apart from the bottom two. He's been finding out how to keep cool. Justin, good morning. Oh, Ian, listen to this sizzle. Oh, go on. Is that, is that your flesh? No, it's not my flesh. We have onions here. Listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth? What are, you, are you cooking onions on the radio, Carl? What are you yes, doing? Yes, I am. I'm actually with uh, Lee Backers. Now, Lee runs a, a mobile snack bar in Luton. We've got to ask Lee here. We're talking about how to keep cool. In your snack bar here, just how hot does it get? Um, 48, 50 degrees by about midday. 48 to yep. 50 degrees by midday. Yep, easy that. How on earth do you cope? At the moment, it's 32. 32. How on earth do you cope? Um, with a cold tea towel around my neck. <laughs> and just ice cold water. So that is your moment. top tip. As, as we look at you right now, you're wearing a, a pink shirt. I shall say no more about that. But um, the, the way that you cope, and our listeners could, could maybe do this as well, is, is a freezing cold tea towel. Wrap you put that you. round your neck and that will keep you cool. It keeps me cool, yeah. And just drink loads of water. He doesn't use do. that tea towel for food preparation, does he, Justin? Let's <laughs> ask the question. You don't use that for food, do you, afterwards? No, I do not. <laughs> no. It's going to look a bit strange, though, at night, if you're saying to your wife, right, I'm going to bed, I need to stay cool, you're completely naked, and there you are with a wet tea towel around your neck. No, it's going to look slightly odd. In bed, we have uh, a ceiling fan and just like a desk fan. That's about it, really. I mean, a lot of people, of course, talking about the weather. Everyone's talking about the weather because it is so fantastic. But, but you must hate working in these conditions. I hate it when it gets 11, 12, 1 o'clock. I mean, I finish at 1 in this weather. It's just too hot. Far too hot. But then again, I start early, so it isn't too bad at the moment. But when it starts getting busy, it's just a nightmare. OK, and just lastly, how many tea towels do you get through in an average day, average morning? Three. <laughs> Three of them, OK. And just before you go, give us one more sizzle, come on. Oh, I love fried onions. Oh, do you know what, Ian? I'm about to have a lovely egg roll. Beautiful. Justin, right, yes. your mission, should mm. you choose to accept it, I'll have a fried egg roll with onions... Um, uh, two fried egg rolls. Let's make it three fried egg rolls for the team here, please. Well, you see, the problem is I can only have one. 
at least I can have one fried egg roll, and as I'm here, I think that's going to be mine, don't what, you think? What, gonna, yeah, OK, you can have that one as a freebie, even though that's actually against BBC rules, but never mind, I won't mention it to anyone. But you could buy us... Yeah. Th- how much is an egg roll? How much is an egg roll here? One ninety. you get two eggs. Two eggs. Two eggs. Put some onions in there. Beautiful. So two, six quid, just under six quid, just. Yeah. Yep. See you in about 20 minutes. Uh, Yeah, okay. See you soon. Good lad. Thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. He better do that, otherwise I will be telling the new Director General... I've got no idea who it is anymore. Um, Is it Greg Dyke? I'll be telling Greg Dyke... It's not, it hasn't been for a while. Bobby Davro, that's it, Bobby Davro, the DG. I'll be telling him that one of our reporters is taking freebies. That's against the rules. Now, Milton Keynes resident Ken Spooner is today set to find out if he can finally bring his two boys home following a four-year court battle in Zambia. Incredible story. His children were taken on a family holiday by their mother, Zanetta Nyendwa, in uh, October 2008 uh, and never came home. Ken told me earlier that everything hangs on the court's decision that's being made today. I cannot be confident. Unfortunately, it's, yeah, it's out of my hands. It's in in the hands of uh, the Zambian judiciary now. What would it mean to you, Ken, bringing the kids back home? Uh, it would mean everything. Uh, you know, this has been a very, very difficult struggle in the last five years. Um, I just want my children back in my life, and I want my children to enjoy a relationship with both parents, and that has been, you know, my fight all the way along. Well, Ken's case is just one of hundreds of incidences of international child abduction that take place in Britain every year. I'm joined now by Lady Catherine Meyer, who is the founder of Pact Parents and Children uh, Together. Good morning, Catherine. Why did you start Pact? Uh, Good morning. First of all, I have to tell you, Pact is parents and abducted children together. Thank you very much. There is another charity also called Pact. Right. Um, Yes, I started Pact about 11 years ago because I was myself separated from my children in exactly the same way as Ken was. Uh, My children were seven and nine at the time. I had custody of them. They were living with me. And my uh, ex-husband, I sent them on holidays to see my ex-husband, and they never returned. And it took me 10 years, basically until my eldest son was old enough to make contact with me, But for 10 years, I did not see them, and for 10 years, I was struggling with the courts, social workers, you name it, basically to spend all the money on lawyers instead of my children or better things. You didn't see them for 10 years? I saw them for a total of 24 hours in 10 years. Could you speak to them on the phone? No. So it was... And, you know, and we're not talking with a faraway country. No. We're talking about Germany. How on earth did you cope with that? I can't even begin to imagine how, how painful that must have been. Um, very poorly, and I think different parents react to this in different ways. And I've been... Once my story came out in the papers, I had other parents who approached me. And, in fact, that's how I started PACT, is mm. when I realised how my case is not unique and there are many other parents who are in the same situation. How big a problem is it in, in, in Britain? Well, it's bigger than people anticipate, and in fact, it is a growing problem, and which is naturally the case because there are more and more international marriages, more and more travel, more and more divorces, but sometimes you also have abductions perpetrated by parents of the same nationality. Let's say two Brits living in America or in Germany, and one of them wanting to return home, and defy the law by taking the children without the other parents' 
agreement. What's the psychology behind the person who does the abduction? Why do they want sole control of the children? Well, usually it's... Obviously, there are different scenarios, but the most common one is an act of revenge. And it's people actually not realising what absolute harm they're doing to their children. They want to pay back the other parents. They're angry, revengeful... Uh, either their parent, other parent left them or suddenly they lose custody and decide, I, rather, I don't want my children to see the other parent because they hate the other parent. Sometimes their hate for the other parent is so, or their, I should say their ex-spouse, mm. is so profound that they actually think that they're protecting their children because the father or mother of those children is so horrible. I need to protect them and not let them see their other parents. But the point is, this is so harmful to children. Children love both their parents, and children need to be with both their parents. What help is there for, for the parent who's lost the children? Very little. Uh, there are some organisations. There is Reunite. Uh, we, we don't basically deal with individual cases, though I, I have met on email Ken. Um, there are very, very few um, help you can't get it, but the point is that most people don't understand what it's about. Most people say, oh, well, it's fine. Their children are with one of their parents. What are you worrying about? Well, they don't understand that it isn't fine at all. It mm. isn't fine for the parent. It isn't fine for the children. That there are some cases we hear about in the newspaper where one parent is so angry of when they lose custody that they'd rather kill the children than let Well, yes, it's a, a, one and of the tragic events that we've heard absolutely, recently. Absolutely, that happens. Yeah. And it happens more and more. And the newspapers are very helpful, and, and the radio and television, for exposing the problem. But you shouldn't talk about a tag-of-love case. Those are not tag-of-love. Tag if you love your children, you actually want them to see both their mm. parents. Was it, was it two boys you had? Yes. Uh, and it, it took you 10 years for, for the eldest boy to, to become old enough to come and find you. How did that work? Did he phone you up one day? Did he just turn up at your doorstep? What happened? Uh, he phoned me up one day. and I Completely out of the blue? Not quite. Right. There was a, an angel in the place he was living in. Right. Uh, I always hoped that she existed, and she did, and she knew about the story, and so I think she played a role in uh, reconnecting my son with me. It's a long story, but it's an extraordinary story, and the only thing I have to say about that story is that one should never give up mm. hope. One should always fight gently, but fight, so that your children, when they are old enough, realize you've never abandoned them. Because in the meantime, your children are being told either your mother or father is dead, or they don't want you, or I'm protecting you against this horrible parent that you have. So the children grow up actually hating well, I was going to ask, was there any resentment from him when he got in touch? Did, you know, was he asking, why did you leave us, Mum? Why did you do this to us? Um, I think boys uh, react in a different way than girls. Mm. I think boys, they put things in a box and they move on. Girls, because I'm in contact with quite a few adults who were abducted when they were children, and strangely enough, the only ones I'm in contact with who want to talk about it uh, are women. And they talk to me about how it was being abducted. But I have very few men. I think men are different. Mm. And I think uh, also the elder son reacts differently to the younger son. And I think that 
they will be affected and they are affected. We're all affected by mm. this and it's unnecessary. Uh, I really appreciate your time this morning. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. Lady Catherine Meyer, the founder of PACT, which is Parents and Abducted Children, uh, together. I can't even begin to imagine what that's like. You, you split up with the parent, you, you get divorced. Yes, there's a, good, there's a strong chance you, you're probably going to hate the other person. There's a strong chance. But taking the kid... Quick look at the front pages, shall we? The Guardian. Revolution in care to cut cost for elderly. Oh! Ministers aim to end postcode lottery with loans and your insurance scheme. And there's a picture of the Queen. Oh, the Independent. Revealed the great outsourcing scandal. Uh, private firms uh, gaming £100 billion of government services, says Think Tank. Uh, uh, and there's a picture of some golf. Uh, about that. Um, the Daily Telegraph, there's uh, a picture of the lady who won The Apprentice. Didn't watch any of The Apprentice this year. Didn't interest me in the slightest. Forces Chief, we risk war with Syria and cap on care bills for elderly will help only one in eight. The Times. Um, it's a princess, Zara Phillips, she's not a princess, I keep going, Zara Phillips on a horse. Hundreds perishes, heatwave takes hold. Uh, and the Daily Mail, Minister's War on BBC Sexism Culture, Secretary Maria Miller has delivered an extraordinary attack on the BBC Sexist Sports coverage. Calm down, love. Uh, the Daily Express, Britain's driest July for 247 years. And The Sun, Oasis star facing £2 million baby battle. Uh, Liam named as dad of love child. Who'd have thunk it? A rock star behaving inappropriately sexually? No, really? <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still one lane closed off both ways. In each case it is lane three I believe that is closed off. We've got uh, big delays both ways. It's between Stoke and Church at Junction 5 and High Wycombe at Junction 4 after an accident that was initially on the northbound side. It was a lorry that went through the central reservation and onto the London-bound carriageway. So expect a delay if you're going north or south. The M1 southbound is looking slow from Luton at Junction 10 toward Redbourne at Junction 9. The M25 clockwise and anti-clockwise slow through the roadworks. Then you've got heavy traffic anti-clockwise past the M1 round to Kings Langley and further problems anti-clockwise. They've had to close a lane following an accident at Junction 18 Chorley Wood. That is slow back now to Kings Langley, adding to the usual Hertfordshire queues on that stretch of the M25. Trains and tubes, though, are still running without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, 7.46, it's Thursday the uh, 18th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford hospital bosses face a grilling at Borough Hall this morning where a public meeting's been called to discuss changes to children's services. Detectives are still questioning 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin following the murder of a pensioner at Little Gadsden on Saturday. Two men and a woman have been arrested on suspicion of assisting an offender. In sport, Rory McElroy says his form is promising for this week's Open Championship despite missing the cut in his last start at the Irish Open. Coming up, we'll be talking about the latest crime figures. They're going to be published today 08459 455 555 let's get the weather now though with elizabeth rosini 
Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Now, today is going to feel a little bit cooler, particularly towards parts of Hertfordshire. We've got a slight easterly breeze bringing in some cooler air. So temperatures are not quite as high, but I think towards parts of Buckinghamshire, where we did see uh, the day's highest temperatures yesterday across the three counties, then once more we could be squeaking up to 30 degrees Celsius. Elsewhere, I think we're talking the high 20s, so 28, 29 degrees Celsius, certainly lots of sunshine around blue skies another beautiful day um, we do have a Met Office level 3 alert out for uh, for actually a little bit further south towards the London area but covering part of the three counties if you want some advice on how to cope with the heat then just take a look online at the BBC weather website um, but another very sunny hot day again today just a light easterly breeze overnight tonight temperatures dropping to between 16 perhaps 18 degrees Celsius in the centre of the towns so an uncomfortable night's sleep again for many people but it will be a couple of degrees lower than perhaps uh, we've been seeing over the last couple of days or so into tomorrow we're still looking at 25 or 26 degrees celsius quite widely but the temperatures just uh, shaving a degree or so off them again with that cool air from the east and it's quite possible that towards eastern areas of hertfordshire we'll see a cloudy end to the day tomorrow some clouds spreading in from the north sea that cloud is going to stick around for part of saturday morning too so um yeah a bit of a murky start to the weekend but that will soon clear we'll see lots of sunshine a bit later on and some high temperatures once more but not as high 24 or 25 degrees so a bit more of a refreshing feel to saturday certainly make the most of it because by the time we get to sunday we've got some warm air coming up from the southeast that's going to bring with it some quite high levels of humidity and that may in turn trigger off some thunderstorms into the beginning of next week that's the forecast thank you elizabeth Every Saturday morning from 6. Do you trust the NHS because there are problems afoot at Bedford Hospital? David Priva. There was a doctor present. He had a look at it and he said, don't worry about it. What was it then? I'm desperate to know what was wrong with you. It was Achilles. Achilles tendon. They told you to walk it off. Yeah. Every Saturday morning from 6. We were in our paediatrics department being told that our four-year-old son, as he was then, was a type 1 diabetic. And without the paediatrics team, um, we probably would have gone to pieces by now. David Priva. Every Saturday morning from 6 on BBC Three Counties Radio. I do like that. Oh, just walk it off. It's Achilles tendon. Yes, walk it off. You'll be fine. Stretch it out. Go and do some stretches. You can't laugh, David Lloyd. I am try not man. to. I am, I am. Uh, now, the latest crime figures are due to be published today, only hours after the Prime Minister paid a visit to the three counties. David Cameron was in Hertfordshire yesterday to meet people benefiting from direct police action to cut crime. Well, recent statistics show the trend has been downwards in almost every category of crime. You just heard him in the studio uh, now cackling away. It's the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, David Lloyd. Good morning, David. David. Good to see you, Ian. What happened yesterday? Why was the Prime Minister in Hertfordshire? Well, um, I think uh, it goes to show just how well we're doing things in Hertfordshire. He was here because he wanted to know why um, crime has fallen so much in Hertfordshire. Clearly the statistics aren't uh, formally published until later on today, but uh, the internal statistics suggest to me that there were 9,000 fewer victims of crime last year. Um, crime fell by best part of 15%. You know, We've had a really cracking year in terms of crime. What kind of, of crime have, have fallen. Is it across the board? Or are there any that, that, that are bucking the trend? It's it's across the board. You ask what it is, you'll find that it's gone down really. Um, the uh, things like dwelling bur- um, burglaries for instance. Um, you know, we had a day the other uh, week before last where there was just one burglary across the whole of the county of Hertfordshire. One burglary too many. If you're that one person, you're mm. not going to be jumping for joy. And in seeing that the, you know crimes have come down, we mustn't forget that there are still 
too many victims of crime. But, uh, you know, we really have seen the sparkling year um, and things like dwelling burglary, um, you know, they are falling away. And more to the point, because we're getting fewer crimes, actually we're detecting more of the ones which are happening as well. So if you come into the county and commit a crime, you're likely to get caught. This, you must have uh, danced a little jig around your office when you got this, because your first year, how long are we into it now, eight months? Something like eight months. Something like eight months. November I started. It it was November, wasn't it? The first eight months of your job as the PCC, uh, and crime statistics are down. I guess the question is, what are you doing right well, um, I'm, I'm glad you put it that way. Uh, clearly, uh, the, uh, the, the crime fall is not uh, entirely down to me. In fact, some people would say it's not down to me at all because what it's about is partnership working. What it's about is uh, a real focus on uh, things like domestic burglary. What it's about is making sure that all the agencies work better together so that actually we know when people are out and about um, from prison, uh, that we do make sure that uh, uh, we uh, work with all of our partners. Because what I want to do, remember, uh, the thing which really excites me is reduction in crime. It isn't about detection. What I want to make sure is the crimes don't happen in the first place. And that's about going up the line to make sure that we work with other organisations far more closely. What are your pressing issues related to crime in Hertfordshire at the present? What are your priorities? Well, you'll know that uh, I've uh, got involved with things like the uh, community drive-safe campaign, so that where local communities get involved to make sure that speeding comes down. My priorities are the priorities of the local people. And if you speak to people, what they're still most concerned about are things like antisocial behaviour, things like uh, people speeding far too much and what the introduction of police and crime commissioners has done is to take to the front those things that worry people rather than what worries the professionals. David Cameron in Hertfordshire yesterday, did you get to speak to him? I did. What, what, what did you chat about? Oh, we talked about uh, the uh, crime uh, broadly, we talked about how um, that has come down, we talked about uh, the new office of police and crime commissioner, um, and we, we talked about the uh, the sunny weather as well. When you talk to David Cameron in one of these little things, obviously you've got to do all the formal bits and pieces, but do you do you kind of say to him, hey David, did you see The Apprentice last night? Do you, do you get to kind of have a little chat about, are you watching Big well, Brother at the moment, David? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the good thing yesterday, actually, was that uh, we had all the formal discussion. Of course, no, he doesn't have a great deal of time, but he does listen very well. But he doesn't have a lot of time, and officials do move on. But then, actually, we both ended up on the same station because we were both going into town, and the train was late, so we had a chance to get that sort of uh, discussion oh, as that well. That awkward thing when you, you say goodbye to someone, then it turns out you're on the same platform. <laughs> but, of course, Theresa May was there as well, so it gave us a chance to, uh, to have a, a, a proper three-way discussion. The, the funding of policing for the Bilderberg conference, was that on the agenda? Did that get discussed at all? It didn't, actually. Because um, uh, that's I'm, one of the big questions, yeah, isn't it? Should, um, should the, the local police be, be paying for, for the security of lots of billionaires? I, I, th- I think that uh, Bilderberg was a, a great opportunity to show that uh, Hertfordshire is open for business, um, that we can cope with very, very big uh, uh, gatherings of people like that, and we can do it properly. Um, you know, I, I think the, the total cost... Um, although we haven't sort of uh, signed off every last penny and made sure we've got every last uh, uh, bit of income in that we can. I'm hoping that Bilderberg will cost the same as a game or two, home game of uh, a Watford. And you're happy to dip dip into your pocket for that? Well, I I think that we should be willing to uh, police anything that happens within the borders in the same way whether or not it's a a home football match or whether or not uh, it is uh, a, uh, um, a Bilderberg conference. What it shows is that we are a come to place. This is the place to be in the world. Hertfordshire is open for business. 
and I'll tell you what the policing is up to it as well. Now, don't toe the party line. I want an honest answer. I'm going to get one, am I? What kind of <laughs> mid-term governments always uh, kind of do badly because people like to express their anger. How, how was David Cameron met yesterday by members of the public? Actually, um, you know, don't toe the party I, line. I'm not. I mean, you can see you can see the film clip. There were um, uh, people hugging him in the streets. We went past a uh, 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 a hostel for for people who are learning disabled. They all were hugging him in the street, and actually, people were so excited to see him. Mm. So he really was uh, appreciated in that in, in that street in uh, in the borough of Boxford. I've got a problem with David Cameron because, and I'll tell you why. Before he became prime minister, I was on the one show with him, and I offered him a sausage roll, and he gave me a very dirty look. Did he? Yeah, and that's put me off him. <laughs> that, and I know I should kind of not take that personally, but that kind of. Uh, put me off. Back to the crime figures. Going I'd down. have a sausage. If you offer me a sausage roll, take of course, it. I'd take it. Good lad. Thank you, David. Back to the, the, the crime figures uh, going down. Uh, the, what are you doing? Because there are cuts. Police are facing cuts. How are you making this work? How are the police making this work? Well, I think it's, a lot of it is about how we work with partners, but also how we focus on what we're doing. It is about greater and greater efficiency throughout. We've got a cracking constabulary. We've got great police officers. They're really up for this, and they're really working well. Everyone in the public sector knows that uh, we're going through a difficult time. We're having to uh, um, make, make cutbacks, but we're doing it in a way which is controlled. This isn't about taking a mad axe to everything and taking mm. people out, you know that I'm, uh, as much as I can, saving frontline services. And indeed, you'll know that, in fact, we've got more people on the front line than we had last year. David, put your headphones on. We've got a call uh, from uh, Mark. Morning, Mark. Morning. Mark, you, you, you disagree? You don't think crime has gone down? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I'm somebody from the Essex area, and uh, I'm fed up with keep, uh, hearing these people blow their own trumpets and saying this has happened, that's happened. Uh, you're cutting police forces and all sorts. But at the end of the day, people don't report things, I think, nowadays. They just don't bother. You get a crime number, that's it. No one does anything. And uh, in my area, I, you know, you've got the call centres. Instead of having the local police station open now, you, you end up, phone, it, it goes to the main call centre. I, I predominantly don't like no uh, street names and things like that. So how can I explain to someone who doesn't live in the area? Oh, cause I used to be able to phone the police station, say I was down there, and they knew where I was talking about would get someone down there. But Mark, if, if you're saying people don't report crimes, and that might be true of some of the smaller ones, but if your house gets broken into, you'd report that, wouldn't you? Right, hold on. Right, I'll give right. you an instance, right? Yeah, go on. Uh, uh, our car got stolen a few years ago, right? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, they found it in Tilbury, right? Yes. The, the police, you know, they didn't pick, they didn't pick it up and take it away. They left it there for, and told me where it was. Went down. I went down. I'm trying to be quick. Well, went down. We found it. It was still warm, so I, we sat there and watched it. And then the youngsters got, you know, come back and st- driving around again. So I phoned up the police and said, "Come down to your police station down there. Sit there. Give me a call, and I'll show. Take you around to them. You can have them banged to rights." They come down, I sit, and they drive down the road that I told them not to, with the with the blues on, and the the youngsters in the car clocked them and done a runner. Mark, listen, we, we, let's just put that point uh, to David Lloyd. David, people the, aren't reporting crimes. Well, the substantive point there, um, they're not reporting crimes, actually doesn't stack up from what he said. Um, he's got a crime number, so he's obviously phoned it in. He said the police told him where the car was, so clearly that was something which was detected. Now, um, I, what I would agree with is we need to keep pushing more and more how we keep um, victims of crime in the loop, and we're bringing in things, how do we do that? 
that so that they know what's happened and where. But bottom line is that was reported. We l- measure it in more than just that which is reported as well. We do something called the British Crime Survey. That has seen that crime has fallen away year on year on year since 1995. Crime is down on 40% over the last five or six years. You know, that is something to celebrate. Let's, you know, let's look out, let's see the sunshine, let's celebrate some really take great things. Take your jacket, take your tie Take off. my jacket look and tie at, off. You're wearing a jacket and tie. <laughs> David Lloyd, always nice to see you. Thank you very much. Good to see you too. 455 Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still long delays on the M40 both ways. You've got a lane closed off each way. Lane 3, the outside lane on both carriageways after an accident earlier where a lorry went through the central reservation from the north to the southbound carriageway between Stoke and Church and High Wycombe. On the London-bound side, it's slow definitely back as far as Junction 6 at Watlington. The M1 busy as well past Redbourne. The M25 slow both lanes through the roadworks and then problems anti-clockwise with an accident with a car and a van involved at Junction 18 Chorley Wood. That's causing congestion back to the M1 at Junction 21. Trains and tubes, though, running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Look, my timing's all over the place. How shoddy of me. It's the heat. It's gone to my brain. What are you doing to cool down? 08459 455 555. And we'll have the latest on Bedford Hospital coming up after the news with Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. The headlines, public grilling for Bedford Hospital bosses, loot and shooting victim speaks out, and developers have designs on Bishop Stortford. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Mayor of Bedford will chair a meeting today where the town's hospital bosses will be questioned about their decision to withdraw, sorry, reduce children's services. The majority of paediatric care will be provided by neighbouring hospitals following the withdrawal of junior doctors from the Riverbank unit, as our political reporter Paul Scoynes explains. Children's A&E, the assessment unit and all overnight care have been suspended. In the short term, the hospital says, though most campaigners say this will be a permanent solution. Children are being defined up to the age of 19. It means Most users of the wards will now have to travel to other locations, including Milton Keynes, for most of the services. The Riverbank Ward, which is home to the department, has 20 beds, including six for surgery. 16,000 children attend A&E at Bedford Hospital on a yearly basis. Hospital trusts to be given ratings ranging from outstanding to inadequate and any seen to be failing could be put into special measures. The move's been announced by Professor Sir Mike Richards who took up his post this week as Chief Inspector of Hospitals. He plans to recruit what he calls a small army to help him. In my army I want a whole range of people. I want patients, I want carers, I want doctors, whether they're recently retired or not. I want nurses, I want allied health professionals. All of these people are going to be necessary to help us to deliver really good inspections. Detectives are still questioning a man over the murder of a pensioner at Little Gaddesdon in Hertfordshire. 66-year-old Graham Buck was fatally stabbed while trying to help an elderly neighbour who was being robbed. Two men and a woman have also been arrested on suspicion of assisting the main suspect, 55-year-old Ian McLaughlin. The victim of a shooting in Luton's Dunstable Road in May says he's devastated by the silence from the local community. 27-year-old Atif Ali was driving a silver Audi A3 which was hit from behind at the junction with Leicester Road. When he got out of his car, he was shot by the other driver and he's been left without the use of his legs. For anyone to spend two months in hospital is a nightmare and it wasn't even the fact that I had to personally go through what I had to go through. It was the fact that I had to see people around me, uh, family, friends, loved ones that 
what they had to go through and see that on a daily basis. Police repealing for witnesses. The owners of a casino set to open in Milton Keynes later this summer are confident they've put measures in place to combat problem gambling. The venue at the Xscape building will be opened by gambling firm Aspers in September. Plans to build more than 2,500 homes in the north of Bishop Stortford will be put forward by developers this evening. The proposals also include shops, schools and a park and ride scheme. In sport, Rory McIlroy says his form is promising for this week's Open Championship. Despite missing the cut in his last start at the Irish Open, he tees off at 9.44 this morning at Muirfield. And the weather, plenty of sunshine with barely a cloud in the sky and a top temperature of 29 degrees Celsius, that's 84 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties that is disgusting no it's not disgusting right that's such a squishy sandwich justin actually got me and the team egg rolls uh-huh. two things first of all the the yolk is is solid i'll let that one go <laughs> secondly i don't know if you're listening to the broadcast i specifically asked for onions oh there are no onions in this outrageous Catherine. yeah Hot weather? Mm-hmm. What do you do to keep cool? I'm from the Miss, Miss Haversham School of Thought. I don't know what that means. Indoors, curtains closed, windows closed. What? Something she didn't think of, and maybe she should have, given the way she went. Mm-hmm. Sprinkler. You've put a really horrible image in my mind. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, what a dirty laugh. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm imagining Catherine Boyle's sprinkler now, and I'd rather not be. How do you keep cool, dear listener? 08459 455 555. Other bits and pieces up for grabs this morning include Bedford Hospital and its decision to close its children's service. It's an issue we've been looking at all week. And as protesters work out their campaign to get the services back, today sees a meeting held by the town's mayor. Also, the owners of a new casino in Milton Keynes opened their doors to the media yesterday to show us the shape of things to come. Well, lots of people get upset and bothered about casinos and gambling and those kind of things, but really, there's nothing wrong with gambling, is there? Lots of you are having your say on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We'll read out some of those before the end of the show. Send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Put your name on it, please. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The Mayor of Bedford will chair a meeting today about the decision to close paediatric services at Bedford Hospital. An announcement was made on Monday following the withdrawal of junior medical trainees working in children's services by the board that trains them. Well, Professor Simon Gregory from the Health Education East of England told the BBC what had gone wrong. This was about the risk of something happening and it got to the stage when our trainees were really distressed that they felt they were practising in an unsafe way and that they might harm a child because they weren't getting the support. And there were a number of instances when in a crisis the trainees called for help and that help wasn't forthcoming and that was what particularly concerned them. Doctors in training by definition are not fully competent. They, they n- must know their boundaries. Bedford as, as quite an old style department hasn't been a place that could recruit easily. So a, a a unit that size should have eight whole-time equivalent consultants, and at one point it was down to uh, 2.8 to 3.8, 
And, and that means that even if they're really good, really committed people who come when called, they're spread too thinly. And you've only got to go just down the, the motorway to Luton to see a hospital where the paediatric service is now delivered by the consultants, where the trainees work with them, uh, but that it is a consultant-led service. And the quality of care has improved. Well, anyone who is concerned is urged to meet at Borough Hall at 10 o'clock today. I'm now joined by Diana Blackman, who is Chief Executive of Health Watch Central Bedfordshire. Morning, Diana. What are local people saying to you about this? Morning, Ian. Um, well, we've had no first-hand information as yet about these changes to paediatric services because they've only recently been announced. However, we are concerned about the changes to children's services at Bedford Hospital. In particular, we would be concerned that local residents may have issues with transport if their children are referred to a neighbouring hospital for treatment and also whether neighbouring hospitals will have the capacity to cope with an increase in demand for children's services. We have um, spoken to people who are concerned that Milton Keynes is going to be one of the hospitals, uh, and I would suggest perhaps the one that gets the most of uh, the, the Bedford overspill. There are people that are concerned that these hospitals just can't cope with the extra influx of, of cases. Yes, that, that is a concern at the moment, and I would um, particularly urge anyone um, living in central Bedfordshire to contact Healthwatch Central Bedfordshire if they have any concerns, and then we can make sure that that information is fed back to Bedford Hospital and also to ensure that the patient voice is heard. One of the problems we've had, Diana, and uh, lots of listeners have had, is that um, up until Monday, Bedford Hospital weren't really giving us very much information. It was all very vague. Uh, are they giving you information now, Diana? Um, not at the moment. I'm only, um, I only have information relating to the press releases that Bedford Hospital have issued. So that is the information we're going on at the moment. That seems... It- that seems incredible to me that you're getting the same thing that we're getting. You're getting the press releases, which don't really give away too much. Have you, have you asked for more information? Have you spoken to the hospital? I haven't spoken to the hospital as yet, no, because, as I said, this report has only just come out. But I do understand that uh, Bedford Hospital are going to launch a campaign um, to talk to the public about the concerns they would have and Healthwatch Central Bedfordshire would wish to work with the hospital on this campaign to make sure that the patient voice is heard and to reinforce our role as the patient champion. I'd suggest you give Stephen Conroy a phone call today. Give, where are we? Thursday. The report came up Monday. Give him a phone call today after this, Diana, and say, come on, listen, what can we... Because people are concerned and people are worried. We're hearing lots and lots of stories, both on this show and it turns out on other shows. Uh, give Stephen Conroy a phone call. See if you can get a meeting. Yes, I will be speaking to them. When will you be speaking to them? Um, Hopefully we'll be speaking to them later on today. Excellent stuff. Well, uh, Diana, thank you very much indeed. Hopefully that'll go well. I'm a little surprised that that, that, that it came out on Monday and um, Healthwatch Central Bedfordshire did... I mean, it came out, what, midday Monday? I'm surprised they didn't get on the phone to Stephen Conroy at one minute past midday on Monday. It's Thursday now. People... I'm getting a little bit frustrated, partly because I'm hearing lots of stories from parents and um, mums and dads and all kinds of people who are affected by this. But it seems everybody's dragging their heels a little bit. Diana Blackman, I'm sure you're doing a cracking job, Chief Exec of Health Watch Central Bedfordshire. May I suggest, with the greatest of respect, pull your finger out a little bit. Get in there. Paul Scoynes is joining me. Paul, there's a meeting this morning. Is it 10 o'clock? Yeah. What's happening? Well, this is the sort of Health and Wellbeing Board. It's a backbench committee of the uh, of the council, and they meet on a regular basis, although obviously today a lot of the focus will be 
uh, on the hospital there receiving uh, a report, an oral report from the, uh, well, we're not quite sure who actually, because it doesn't say on the uh, on the agenda who will be attending, but it just says to receive an oral report. Now, on that board, on that sort of health and wellbeing board, amongst others, uh, uh, is this clinical commissioning group. They've got a representative as well, and I'm sure they'll be interested to, uh, to hear what the latest is as well, because, of course, I've heard from them in a letter to GPs about the concerns about the overspill particularly Milton Keynes, whether it can cope with the additional numbers that you just talked about with uh, Diana there. Um, I was just looking through the, the briefings, and it's quite interesting. I mean, uh, this figure of, uh, uh, of, of how you define childhood up to the age of 19 in this instance, uh, which means that everybody under the age of 19 for A&E services will have to go to Milton Keynes. Is it, is it nine, uh, including 19 or yeah. under the age of 19? It's 19 and under. That's ridiculous. Mm. 19 16 is not a child. 16 is not a child. 16, yeah. you can go and join the army. Yes, that's it. I mean, you know, you could have your own business and family and, uh, you know, vote, but uh, you're still, def- did, you know... Is that the universal definition in hospitals of a child, or is that Bedford Hospital fudging the, 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 the I, statistics of it? I'm afraid I wouldn't know that. But uh, just to give you some stats on A&E, over 16,500 children attended A&E wow. in the last 12 months. That's 27% of all attendances. So if you just think that, you know, a quarter, over a quarter immediately have been just taken out of that A&E unit. So uh, it's, it's a huge number, really. We're talking about a lot of people. How it's Milton Keynes, it's Northampton, and uh, some people have been sent as far as it Cambridge. I think Cambridge that, as well. Yeah. As well. It, how, how are they going to cope? Well, I mean, Addenbrooke's in Cambridge is a very big hospital. Mm. Uh, it's it, obviously it's got some children's services there as well. Um, uh, in terms of Northampton General, that's also quite a large hospital as well. So uh, you know, <coughs> the, the Milton Keynes are very bullish. They say they can cope. They will be able to manage. Joe Harrison, who's the chief exec there, mm. was the chief executive at Bedford. Yep. he's very confident that they'll be able to uh, push this through and it will work. The others, you know, the other people involved in this, some of the commissioning groups politicians who've been sort of well the mp us. for the area whose name escapes at the moment richard fuller the richard fuller said uh, yesterday yet yeah, they can cope but only for a short-term measure this had better not be f- for the long term yeah that's what or was that for milton Keynes or for milton Keynes? Oh, right so i think it was ian stewart you're right yes, yes yeah no i mean absolutely there, there's been a long campaign especially about a and e yeah to to change the uh, or to improve the services at milton Keynes a and e um, so this meeting today we don't know who's going from bedford hospital i would be very surprised well there, i couldn't see anybody on the agenda list but i think there will be i, I think stephen conroy i think may be there as stephen well. stephen conroy today. will be there okay yeah, uh, the, the public aren't allowed to speak is that correct uh well it, it it's complicated with these uh council yeah, meetings you know you you go to more of these than i do yeah <laughs> you, you, you always get you, you always put your hand up first in the office to i'm uh, today i'm busy uh, maybe the next one yeah no i mean the, 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 there is a process you can't just turn up and talk, talk when you like you have to usually give a day's notice right. of speaking but they may make some exceptions on this uh on this case because I believe they, they even considered moving it to the main council chamber. It isn't. It's in a big room, but it's not in the main council chamber. But they were, at one point, considering moving it to the big chamber because they thought it was going to be so well attended by the public. I suspect today could be a little bit feisty at the meeting. At BBC 3CR, if you want to follow it on Twitter. What's your, t- your Twitter again, Paul? I'm Paul Scoynes. At Paul Scoynes. Yes. Uh, follow the, both those accounts and um, no doubt um, you'll yeah, be giving I'll us send updates. Yeah, I'll send happens. some updates throughout the meeting. I mean, I, I think the meeting will last around two to three hours. Um, they generally tend 
tend to to go on that long and i think today they'll they'll especially want to take a bit more time i mean what this can what's the, what this group can do i suppose is just make its voice heard uh, it can't change what's happened um it's one of those sort of areas where they they can make a very strong point and the hospital will take that into consideration but ultimately, but ultimately toothless this is that in the hands this decision is very much an nhs decision Paul Scoynes, thank you very much indeed. Do follow him on Twitter, because I suspect this meeting might be a little bit fiery. 8.15, here's the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still one lane closed off both ways on the M40 between Junction 5 at Stoke and Church and 4 at High Wycombe. It is the outside lane of both carriageways, lane 3 that remains shut after the accident quite early this morning where a lorry went through the central reservation and left a bit of a spill in its wake. It's causing delays on both sides and the speed sensor is picking up a fair bit of traffic around there. Some people, it looks like they're diverting through Prince's Risborough. Certainly that is looking slow on the A4010 as you make your way down from Prince's Risborough past Bradenham and down toward High Wycombe. The A404 is looking pretty slow as well. The M25, clockwise, heavy traffic through the roadworks, anti-clockwise pretty busy as well, and anti-clockwise is queuing after an accident earlier today with a car and a van involved at Junction 18 Chorley Wood. Lane 1 is closed off right by the entry slip at Junction 18, causing more delays with congestion back to the M1. It's also slow then from Maple Cross to the M40 and pretty stop start into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, it's 8.16. It's Thursday, the 8th of Thursday. The 18th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Mayor of Bedford will chair a meeting today where the town's hospital bosses will be questioned about their decision to reduce children's services. Detectives are still questioning a man over the murder of a pensioner at Little Gadsden in Hertfordshire. In sport... Rory McElroy says his form is promising. Listen, golf is not a sport. For this week's Open Championship... Sorry, I'm supposed to be unbiased during the news, aren't I? Despite missing the cut in his last start at the Irish Open. Coming up, we'll be talking about the new casino in Milton Keynes. Honestly, is there anything wrong with gambling? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni, debating the local issues. Bill Rowe is uh, a guardian angel. He needs volunteers for his Luton chapter. This is not being a policeman. You can't do a policeman's job. It is giving safe passage to more vulnerable people. Roberto Peroni. A red kite has been rescued from a tree in Hertfordshire. There was a lost parrot in the three counties and I was ready to mobilise our best people. Forget snakes on a plane. This is snakes in Hertfordshire. Potentially 27 of them. Roberto Peroni. I love the animal stories. I do the animal stories. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. I wonder how um, Roberto keeps cool. I wonder what he does. I slept nude last night. Ooh. No, I know, and I, I don't like I don't like nudity. I'm, I'm uh, a never nude. I don't like being nude, and it's a really well. I like to feel supported. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, I do. I think we can speak freely. I've known you for eight months now. Yes. I like to feel supported. Um, There's one or two other people listening. You know that? Literally one or two. (laughs) (laughs) But I just don't... I I, I do just think, well, if someone broke in with with an axe or something like that, 
I would, before I went and protected my children, put I, your pants on. I would put my pants and probably a pair of jeans on as well. Because you couldn't, you could imagine that there's a man in your house with an axe and you're stood there to fight him and, yet, and everything's on display. No, 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 no. That, that would not work at all. Yes. Wouldn't work at all. No, I, I'm with you there. Yeah. I, I don't like... In fact, I think it's very unhygienic to sleep yeah. naked. Oh, y- exactly. Very un- that touching a sheet. You, it's very unpleasant. I think there's no. just something a little bit dirty about it. Yeah, it's not good at no. all. Not good at all. So I think that all sensible people should wear a very smart pyjama. I like a smart pyjama. They don't, they're not long enough for me on the leg, that's the thing. Although they- the ones from Gap are. <laughs> Look like three-quarter length trousers on How you. How rude. That- How <laughs> rude. <laughs> What's coming up on your show today? Activate your BlackBerry because none of the printers in this building work. It's bonkers. There are no there are no printers that work in this building. So I'm reading you what I'm doing on my phone in from my mobile phone today. Look at you, 21st century. Crazy, isn't it? Coming up at nine on the big phone in are casinos bad news or just a bit of harmless fun? Uh, As you've been talking about this morning, in a massive new casino is due to open in Milton Keynes in September. The complex will house 150 slot machines, 30 gambling tables and a restaurant and several bars the new business will create 250 jobs but will you welcome a new casino in beds hearts and bucks i've never been in a casino i have never ever been in a casino oh, it's fun is it yeah it's fun why is it fun well, you can you win lots of money have you been do you go to a casino i've not been for a while I, I i used to go with a friend we'd only go like twice a year and we'd set a limit go a little bit over that limit get some nice food play a little bit of roulette beautiful first time i went i won enough money to take me and my then girlfriend on holiday to prague really yes 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 you see i i'm i'm you're surprised you're surprising me a little bit with that i have to be honest really? i can't imagine you in a casino oh i'm good i look cool I don't look cool. You don't look cool. What are the rules for this? T- what's how much? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> how much on this one? Do I, what do I do? What do? Is that right? I'd have no idea what I was doing. But I, the, the whole idea just doesn't appeal to me at all. And I'm not sure whether I'd want some great big super casino where I live. No. Well, from nine this morning, I want your views. Are casinos bad news, or are they just a bit of harmless fun? If you have a story to tell, I'd love to hear from you. On the usual number from nine. Would you come to a casino with me? Would I come to one with you? Yeah. What, to gamble? I don't want to gamble my money. We can probably get some licence payers' money. Can we gamble your money? Well, uh, well, how much... Well, yeah, but if you win, I get the winnings. Oh. That's how it works. Oh, gosh. Just, just, just 50 quid. 50 pounds? 50 pounds. What, of my 50 pounds? Yeah. No, I'm not spending 50 pounds in a casino. I'll probably lose it all. It's not a spend, it's an investment. You'll, you'll, make, you'll make three times that. You reckon? Yeah, easy, I've got a system. <laughs> You've got a system. I have totally got a system. Is it a legal system? Could it be a legal system? <laughs> Come to a casino with That me. was my winking voice, by the way. <laughs> Get out. Thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> Listen to that cackle. We have a little game where we try to say something rude just before the microphones go up. It's a naughty game. Well, we are talking about casinos because a casino is uh, for Milton Keynes is due to open in September. The owners, Aspers, allowed access to the site yesterday to show how the development is progressing. Have you been tempted to put a small flutter on a horse or the lottery or visit a casino during the economic downturn? Do you think, oh, don't worry, this is an easy way to make 
money. 08459 455 555. Joined now by Joel O'Connor from Gamecare, the, or, oh, sorry, Gamcare, the Authority for Dealing with Problem Gambling, which runs a national helpline for problem gamblers. Also joined by Map Zarb Cousin, who is a former gambling addict and is a spokesperson for the Fair at Gambling campaign. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, Ian. Uh, Matt, let's start with you first. When did you when did you realise that your gambling was 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 more than a hobby and was perhaps slightly problematic? Um, About two years in, but I started gambling when I was sixteen. I started gambling on the uh, fixed odds betting terminals in the betting shops, and uh, on these machines you can bet up to a hundred pounds every twenty seconds. They've been described as the the crack cocaine of gambling, and they're incredibly addictive and accessible. And what was the addiction? Was it the thought of, oh, I can win a load of money and buy a car, or or, or was it the adrenaline rush? Um, It's the rush. I think what gambling does is it hijacks your reward circuitry, so you only derive, when, when you develop a problem with gambling, you only derive pleasure from that activity, so everything else becomes sort of secondary to gambling, you put that first, and um, as a result, obviously, it has a huge impact on your life, and you lose a lot of money, but also it has an impact on your relationships with your family. Were you lying to, to your, your friends and family about how much you were spending and how often you were doing it? Yes, all the time, yeah. Um, you become really good at lying, um, and... Uh, Over a period of about four years, I lost 16 grand. A lot of that was um, overdrafts, student loans, all the money I could basically get my hands on. I had a part-time job. All of that went into the machines. So, um, I mean, obviously you believe, you know that that everyone loses, but you believe you can be the exception. You you come up with ways to rationalise why you're gambling um, and losing, even though you're losing all the time. Now, your uh, organisation, um, Fair Gambling Campaign, what exactly is that? What's the, the, the message behind that? Well, we're campaigning for the licensing objectives in the Gambling Act to be properly enforced. So we don't, think that any, we don't think that there should be any addictive gambling products available to people. Um, and we, that's why we focus primarily on the fixed odds betting terminals, because they are the most addictive. Now, I don't know what those are, the, the, the fixed... I, I don't know what they are, the fixed odds betting um, terminals. So they're the touchscreen, twin-screen, roulette and casino gaming machines that you find in the bookies right. and in some casinos as well. Uh, and so you want, you want those, those specifically to be banned, but other things like roulette in, in casinos and, and poker and blackjack, they're, they're OK? Well, we're, we're not anti-gambling, right. um, but I mean, in a, in, a, in a live roulette casino, in a live wheel in a casino, um, it take every, uh, uh, one event takes between uh, one and three minutes, but on a... On a FOBT on an FOBT it takes every 20 seconds so it's much quicker um, so that's why it's more addictive. We heard earlier on uh, Matt from the manager of this new casino he talked about the ways they can protect people who have a problem going up to them having a chat questioning why they're doing it do you think that those uh, are effective ways of, of helping people with problems? Um, I think well I think that once someone has a problem then, then it, we, should, we should have stopped them getting a problem in the first place that's where I'd come at, it, come at the, 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 the question from. I mean, I'd, I'd like to see fewer people develop gambling problems in the first place. Um, but, I mean, these measures that are designed to uh, sort of improve uh, an organisation's social responsibility, um, are, are, it never worked for me. I mean, they, they always say that, that the bookies always say that, that the staff intervene on, on customers if they're betting too much. Well, that never happened to me. And I, and I was in the bookies pretty much every day for four years. So in one afternoon, I lost £2,500. No one said anything. I was clearly a student. Um, so, I mean, by that point, I developed a serious problem with gambling. And it was up to me to find 
to get help. So I was never really. I, I don't. I, that's, that doesn't really reflect my experience. Well, let's put that to Joel O'Connor from Gamcare. Do you think that casinos do enough, Joel, to to help people who have got problems? Surely they want their money, don't they? Well, the casinos are very proactive in uh, in doing the, adhering to their social responsibility. Um, it's certainly part of the regulations that they need to do that. Um, so, yeah, they, they they are involved in intervention, and uh, and their their staff are trained to to spot problem gamblers. But if all they're doing is going up and saying, uh, do, do you know you've taken out two grand tonight, is everything okay? If they're not banning people, it won't have an effect, will it? Well, they, they encourage self, self-exclusion in certain cases. Um, they, I think the importance about having staff trained can't be, can't be overestimated, really. Um, so it starts with a conversation. But there are also signposts to send uh, the problem gambler or people developing problems towards organisations like like our own, like Gamcare. What, what does Gamcare do, Joel? Gamcare runs uh, the National uh, Gambling Helpline. Uh, that's a free phone number uh, that I can give you, Ian. Give, give it to us just before we finish, so people can go, go and get a, a pen and paper who, who might need it. Absolutely, and so that they're, uh, that's staffed with expert advisors who understand problem gambling. Uh, they have training in dealing with, with, with that. And uh, people are encouraged to, ha- to attend face-to-face counselling sessions uh, that are free of charge as well. Matt, you, you had a problem. You were losing thousands of pounds. How did you stop? Um, I hit rock bottom. Uh, I, lo- I couldn't access any more money. Um, and I was literally... I had to come clean. Uh, and um, I had cognitive behavioural therapy. I was lucky enough to receive uh, proper treatment which didn't cure me, but it certainly helped. But there's only one NHS clinic for problem gambling in the country, um, and there's not, there's not the infrastructure there to deal with the rising number of problem gamblers. Joel, can I just ask, do you think that the, uh, the staff in betting shops are properly trained? I mean, I, I, can sort of, I can sort of see where you're coming from with the staff in casinos, but do you think the staff in betting shops are properly trained? I think, uh, I, I think there's no limit to the training that they can have. So I would so encourage. I would encourage because betting shops have a higher staff turnover. I would say that it's um, that, that it's all the more important to have regular training sessions. Well, re- re- yeah, definitely regular training sessions with high, with the, with the gambling shop staff. I, I definitely agree with that. Right. Uh, Joel, listen, give us the uh, phone number for uh, Gamcare, in case anybody is listening who might have a, a problem or, or, or a loved one who's got a problem. What number should they call? They should call 0808-8020-133. Just give us that one more time, Joel. 0808-8020-133. Chaps, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Joel O'Connor from Gamcare. And the other voice was Matt Zarb cousin, uh, former gambling addict, a spokesperson for the Fairer Gambling Campaign. Well, JVS is talking about this uh, on the big phone in today. He's asking, are casinos bad news or just a little bit of harmless fun? You can start calling him now, 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The M40 northbound has a lane closed off still after the accident earlier today where a lorry went through the central reservation. The London bound side, they've now closed off two lanes. It's the outside two lanes, lanes two and three, that are shut once again like they were a little bit earlier. Long delays through there already and the closure of another lane hasn't really helped the traffic much. It's slow back toward Watlington at Junction 6. Lots of people have been diving off the M40 as well, looking at the speed sensors. It's looking very busy from Prince's Risborough along the A4010 through down to High Wycombe with particularly bad delays from Bradenham down into High Wycombe. And then it's looking slow on the A404 on the approaches to the M40 as well. The M25 both ways is slow through the roadworks. Anti-clockwise, well, a bit of good news first because the accident has now cleared at Junction 18 Chorleywood. The lane has reopened. However, there's still a lot of traffic anti-clockwise. It's stop-start from Kings Langley at Junction 20 through to the M40 at Junction 16. Public transport looking at the trains and tubes. We've got no issues at the moment. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties. Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Here's the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts, and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The 8.30 headlines. The Mayor of Bedford will chair a meeting at Borough Hall at 10 o'clock where the town's hospital bosses will be questioned about their decision to reduce children's services. Detectives are still questioning a man over the murder of a pensioner at Little Gaddiston in Hertfordshire. Three other people have been arrested on suspicion of assisting an offender. And the owners of a casino set to open in Milton Keynes in September say they will turn away anyone showing signs of a gambling problem. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The first day of golf's 142nd Open Championship gets underway this morning at Muirfield. Our golf correspondent Ian Carter looks ahead. After the continued controversy over Muirfield's mail-only policy, the golf itself should now take over the agenda. The course is in magnificent condition and looks primed to identify a stellar champion, which is the hallmark of Open staged here. Justin Rose plays his first major since winning the US Open and tees off at 11 minutes past nine with defending champion Ernie Els. The favourite and world number one Tiger Woods waits until a quarter to three this afternoon to begin his quest for a fourth Open title. Alistair Cook says England aren't afraid of making any tough decisions ahead of the second Ashes test against Australia, starting at Lords this morning at 11.15. Cook and the selectors must decide whether or not to stick with Stephen Finn, who struggled in the first test, or bring in Tim Bresnan. England lead the series 1-0. Sepp Blatter says he's determined to switch the 2022 World Cup to winter because of the intense summer heat in Qatar. The FIFA president has revealed he'll discuss the change with his executive committee in October. After having realised that in summertime it is so hot that it is practically not possible to play, and after having received a second report of our medical committee, I have now taken the decision that I will convince FIFA's executive committee that the 2022 World Cup in Qatar shall be played in winter. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. <laughs> Did he not know it's going to be hot in Qatar in the summer? I don't know that and I, I don't even know where Qatar is. It's a long way away in a hot country. Thank you. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Boom, boom, boom. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't forget, every uh, Friday we release Into the Wilderness a podcast, kind of the best bits of the week. About 45 minutes long, 50 minutes long, sometimes it's 20 minutes long. doesn't matter, really. Uh, but it comes out every Friday. They only last uh, for, for 30 days online before the internet swallows them up. So get them while you can. Now, two ways you can get them. 
you can either go to the BBC Three Counties uh, website and follow the link for podcasts and download it from there. Or if you're more familiar and more comfortable with iTunes, go to iTunes, type in Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, BBC, and it will pop up. You can subscribe to it there. Uh, and also, do leave a nice review. If you leave, an, if you leave a, a, a crazy review, we might read it out. And also, the reviews help with the chart position. No prizes to be won. Now, the way hospitals uh, are inspected is to be radically overhauled. The new Chief Inspector of Hospitals, uh, Professor Sir Mike Richards, says change is needed. There has been some care in the NHS which falls below any acceptable standard. And secondly, there's been the problem that inspection has not always detected that. Quite often it has detected it, but not always. So that's why we are radically changing the way we inspect hospitals. Well, our reporter, Neil Cartmel, can tell us more. Good morning, Neil. What has Sir Mike actually recommended? Good morning. Well, first of all, in his own words, he wants an army, a small army at that, uh, of doctors, nurses, patients and carers um, to carry out these inspections and then hand out ratings. I think two things, really. The whole thing's going to be bigger. There's going to be more people and they're going to have a wider scope when they go in to do these inspections. And the second thing, which I think will be music to the ears of many patients or, or maybe family and friends that have been to visit patients in hospital, is that alongside the doctors and the healthcare professionals, he's put patients and carers. And the reason he's put them there, he says, is because their experience makes them experts so by virtue of their experience he views them as experts and he thinks that they're important and they need to be part of the process because having experienced it they can really feed into what happens next so then what they're going to do is they'll carry out the inspections they'll then give out a school style rating we were talking about the other day and it'll be one of four, it'll be outstanding, good requires improvement or inadequate and if it's the latter they'll be put on special measures Just remind us of the background to this Well, it comes off the back of Sir Bruce Keogh's report, which we were talking about on Tuesday, which is published, uh, looking into the 14 hospital trusts. Now, he he deemed that 11 of those trusts were put into special measures for previously unidentified failings were uncovered. Um, Of those 11 that were put on special measures, previously only two of them had been sanctioned by the the regulator beforehand, the CQC, the the, the Care Quality Commission, which kind of tells you that it wasn't really doing its job very well. That's what Sir Mike has identified and as a result has come up with this new set of inspections. Um, He's going to look at various things, but particularly he's talked about paying close attention to death rates, which I think was the alarm bell that was missed in mid-staffs and then again in some of these other trusts that have been proved to have been failing. But also alongside the death rates which they're going to get closer attention to other triggers like patient surveys mistakes and infection rates they're going to be looking at that as well this would imply there's a vote of no confidence in the previous inspection system wouldn't it absolutely i don't think there's any doubt about that i think it's pretty clear cut really they've said very clearly that the previous system was flawed it let down uh, patients and it didn't do what it was there to do particularly well um, it was focused far too narrowly at times is what he talked about so it shouldn't really come as too much of a surprise especially when you consider some of the things that were said after the inquiry into the mid-staffs where they talked about the NHS putting corporate self-interest ahead of patients I mean that's pretty damning and then again Sir Bruce Keogh's findings on Tuesday kind of echoed that in a different way um, so with all that in mind Sir Mike has said the size of the CQC inspection team is going to be bigger so moving from five people to 20 but also instead of these kind of very focused inspections where they look at things like maybe nutrition or infection control they will go in they will look holistically at the whole hospital they'll take it in in its its entirety that's how they'll carry out their inspection and see if it's delivering the service that people expect and when will these new inspections begin 
Well, remarkably quickly, I mean, considering that he was put in post on Tuesday, he's announced his plans today. They want to start the inspections as soon as next month. They, they want some of the more acute problems to be dealt with in some of the worst hospitals. Um, so they've got 18 to be dealt with next month, and then the plan is, according to the recommendations mentioned today, um, they want all 100, 161 trusts in England to be uh, inspected by the end of December 2015. Uh, Neil, thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. This morning we're talking about sports that aren't really sports. Non-sports is what I'm calling them. Golf, it's not a sport. How can it be a sport when you walk around or get driven in an electric buggy and your tools are carried around by someone who earns, like... 0.1% what you earn. Motor racing. How can driving be a sport? In that case, I'm one of the world's best athletes. Cricket is not a sport. Well, Jeff Doyle is uh, our sports correspondent uh, from BBC Three Counties Radio. He joins me now. Jeff, I've got a point, haven't I? You, of course you don't have a point. Sorry? What are you calling a sport then? So what, in your eyes, is a sport? Football. That's the only one? No, there are others. Fo- right. Football is definitely a sport because there are men in shorts running around. It's finished in, in 90 minutes, OK? okay so that, we'd agree that's a sport, yes? <laughs> yes, I'd agree that's a sport, yeah. Basketball. Basketball's a sport. Netball's not a sport. Why, why is netball not a sport? Oh, for goodness sakes, yeah, they look cute. But basically, they've got those tabards on with GK and CG and they just stand there. There's no running around in netball. Not a sport. Listen, have you looked up the definition of sport? I don't need to. I'm a human being, Geoffrey. I know what sports are. It's an activity involving physical exertion and right. skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others. Now then, what do you reckon? In golf, yep. I've had a look at this, yep. a golf swing uses 17 muscle groups. Oh, for goodness sakes. Coordinated movement of the hands, wrists, arms, abdomen and legs. Listen, I, I know something else that uses all of those same skills as well. That's not considered a sport. <laughs> And I'll tell you what, if you had a go at golf, you'd see how difficult it was. Oh, it, it, it's not that difficult. Listen, I've played crazy golf in Zakynthos. It's, it's easy. <laughs> it's the same principle. <laughs> You've seen the size of these guys now. You look at Tiger Woods and how his, his muscle range. I mean, he is a big guy now. They are, they are getting fit, these boys, because they have to be. Yeah, we know how Tiger Woods is getting fit. Uh, <laughs> listen, tennis. It, it's men and women in, in shorts or short skirts that bl- uh, hitting a ball. That's a sport. That's a sport. Snooker, surprisingly... That's a sport. Why is that a sport? I don't understand why you think that's a sport. Oh, you're saying it's not a sport? I didn't say that. I'm saying why do you think it's not a sport? Because it is men, and it is men. You do not get women sports uh, snooker players. And is it... I, I'm about to say something that I think is really might be really sexist. But someone, someone told me at school, and I've always, um, I've always believed this, and I'm, I'm going to say it, and now I don't think it's true, that women aren't as good at snooker because of their, um, their chest. Their chest gets in the way. Oh, that be ridiculous. Is that not true? <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm Richmond lied to me all those years ago. Uh, so that's a sport. Darts is a sport. And darts, and you think darts is a sport? Yes, I do. Isn't. Because well, the dart, you wouldn't say it was a sport. Well, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm Jeez. trying to work out your logic. I'm just, hang, let me one second. I'm just going to send an email to uh, the boss, dear boss. <laughs> you have hired a pup with this. Let's get more work for Luke. Right? Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, listen, Jeff. You, 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 okay. Here's one, and you will agree with me on this. You cannot disagree. Cricket is not a sport. 
You've got to be joking. Oh, listen, I'll tell you why. It goes on for four days. They wear jumpers. They're fat old men that puff on pipes. They stop for sandwiches. (laughs) How is that sporting? I'll tell you what, you, you, you speak to those fast bowlers and see what they're like come the end of their careers and what that when they pound in and do that bowling yep. and what the the amount of pressure that goes into their back and arms whatever they come out and their knees uh, they are physical wrecks afterwards you can't you can't just define something by a sport just because of the amount of pressure on someone's knees Jeff. <laughs> physical work it is for them that's that's physical work that cricket if you when you're in the field you're running around you're diving you're catching you're running you're fielding when i was at school when i was at school they would, if you were rubbish at batting and bowling you got to field like really far out is that the same for the england team <laughs> Is that how it works? Well, there are some specialist fielding positions, yeah. So you will get some of those guys who aren't the best catchers out in the deep. Here's a sport. That was known. Here's a sport. Tom. Bowls. Bowls. The skill... There is nothing more enjoyable than on a Tuesday afternoon watching bowls. <laughs> it's good, though. It's good. It's skillful, isn't it? Well, it's skillful. It's the same as all of the, all of the sports you've mentioned so far are all skillful. We, me, you, and the rest of everybody listening wouldn't be able to compete against the guys who are professional. Well, listen, you're, no disrespect, Jeff. You're a tiny fella that wears sandals with, with suits, so <laughs> it would be impossible for you. On, on a final note, yes. you've, uh, you've been very gentlemanly and not mentioned the fact that I owe you five quid. Well, I, I, you know, I don't like people welching on bets. Well, no. so I, didn't, I didn't think I would bring it up. No, but, but listen, bring it, I, I, I'm not paying you, and I will pay you. I'm not paying you. But for those who don't know, I had a bet with uh, Jeff Doyle, and everyone laughed at me at the time. I said uh, that Jertsey, the Polish giant, would thrash um, uh, Andy... What's his name? Andy Murray? Uh, yes, yeah. I did say Andy Hemman. I thought, no, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> Tim Hemman, remember that loser. Uh, the, the, the Polish giant would thrash Andy Murray in the semi-final of Wimbledon. Boy, was I wrong. We bet yeah, £5 well. on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the, the laws are, I don't need to give you that money until you ask for that money right well the next time i see you yeah i'm gonna come up and ask for my five are you in today i am but i'm in a bit later you see we kind of cross over don't we because i'll tell you where i'm going today yeah i'm going to marlow rowing club to watch wickham wanderers do a bit of training down there now wickham wanderers what's what's that (laughs) that is football football's a sport it's a sport rowing's not a sport is it You've got to be joking. Rowan, you go and have a go. Bye-bye, Jeff. Double five. I think he got angry. BBC Three Counties Radio. I think he got angry. Luckily, he will be wearing sandals so I could outrun him. Jeff Doyle, thank you for coming on. You're an excellent sport. He's a sport. You see what I did there? Do you see what I did there? 08459 455 555. His defence his defence was bold and brave, but you can't say something's a sport just because it puts pressure on your knees. In that case, me carrying my two children is a sport. Carrying two boys is hard enough. Carrying two boys when they're both naked. Oh, for goodness. Put some, put some clothes on. I don't mind. Just put some pants on. I don't know. We've got builders around. Put some pants on, for goodness sakes. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Coming up to a quarter to nine. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still problems on the M40 this morning, I'm afraid. Northbound, there's one lane closed off. Long delays following an accident where a lorry went through the central reservation and left a bit of a spillage behind it. Just as Junction 4 at High Wycombe through to 5 at Stoken Church. Lane 3, the outside lane is closed northbound. London bound, which is the carriageway the lorry ended up on, there are two lanes closed off. And again, long delays back as far at least as Junction 6 at Watlington. It's looking very, very busy as people try and avoid that with delays on the A4010 through Prince's Risborough down toward High Wycombe that way. 
motorway and the A404 looking really slow both ways around the M40 junction. There are big problems on the M25 this morning across in Essex. Anti-clockwise it's been shut because of a serious accident between junctions 28 and 27. Now I know that won't cause much of an impact but the clockwise side is queuing because people have been slowing down to have a look at that accident on the other carriageway so there are delays back toward junction 25 at Enfield at the tail end of the roadworks section. It's slow both ways through the roadworks still and then anti-clockwise we've just had reports that the M25 may be blocked because of an accident at junction 16 for the M40. Certainly it's slow back to junction 18 at Chorley Wood. Trains and tubes running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. We'll have more from Adam in 15 minutes or thereabouts. Right, it's 8.46. It's Thursday the 18th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford hospital bosses will face questions from the public this morning. A meeting about their decision to reduce children's services is held at Borough Hall at 10 o'clock. Detectives are still questioning a man over the murder of a pensioner at Little Gadsden in Hertfordshire. Three other people have been arrested on suspicion of assisting an offender. In sport, Sepp Blatter says he's determined to switch the 2022 World Cup to the winter because he's only just found out it gets quite hot in Qatar in the summer. Coming up, I'm finding ways to keep you cool during this hot, steamy, sweaty weather. Any tips? Give us a call. 08459 455555 845 845. Let's get the tr- uh, weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. It's still going to be a very hot and sunny day today. That's the good news. If you're not too fond of the heat, though, uh, your good news is that it's going to be um, a touch cooler than it was yesterday. Now, we could still be looking at something very close to 30 degrees towards parts of Buckinghamshire, um, western areas, really. That's where we're expecting the highest of today's temperatures, up to between 29, perhaps as high as 30 degrees. Towards Hertfordshire, though, I think we are looking at something slightly cooler possibly um, 27-28 degrees Celsius here we've got an easterly wind that's bringing in some slightly cooler air so today yes we can shave a degree or so off those temperatures from yesterday but still hot and sunny for the most part bit of fair weather cloud through the afternoon overnight tonight again temperatures down to around 15-17 degrees Celsius in many of our towns some places could see a bit higher than that again quite uncomfortable I think for some of us overnight particularly the first part of the night tomorrow we've got temperatures up to 26 or 27 degrees quite widely on Saturday quite a cloudy start it'll feel quite refreshing I think uh, comparatively on Saturday with highs of 24 or 25 degrees Celsius but by Sunday we've got the high temperatures back again some really quite hot and humid air pushing in from the southeast and that could trigger off a few thunderstorms late on Sunday evening and into the beginning of next week as well that's the forecast thank you very much If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Said send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at bb. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, uh, well, all of this week and for a significant part of last week, we've been talking about the closures at Bedford, Hosh- uh, Bedford Hospital to the paediatric unit. Been asking for your response on that. Mark is in Bedford. Good morning, Mark. 
Morning. Mark, well, what's your take on uh, what's happening at Bedford Hospital? Are you concerned? Um, well, yeah, I'm concerned to a certain extent, but um, again, I think some of the problem is, is, is not just down to what's going on at Bedford Hospital. It's the way that the politicians are funding the services. Um, some of these services are just going to be unsustainable. And, and what's going on with the children's ward is it just a classic example. Um, basically, Bedford Hospital needs to become a fi- uh, foundation trust. Now, the only way it can do that is if it's providing services that are financially um, sustainable for the future. And the, the children's ward is just too small. So it, it, they've got no choice but to close it then? Yeah, and the other thing is, and I know when you spoke to Stephen Conroy on Monday and he was saying about when you, he thought the services would return. Yes. The, the services can't return before December. And if they miss that window, then they can't return before March because the services rely on the junior doctors. And you know, obviously you can't have the junior doctors going to um, Bedford halfway through a rotation. They have to go at the start of a rotation. So the, the next rotation will be in September. And the next one after that will be December. So, you know, if they miss that window, it's going to have to wait until March. Bedford Hospital has no control over that whatsoever. So, at the the earliest, I mean, when we did speak to Stephen Conroy, he said he was keen to open it as soon as possible. The earliest he could do it is September. Then the the next window is December. Then then when's the the next window? February? The next, I think the next one after that would be March. Would be March, okay. You seem to know a lot about this, uh, uh, Mark. How, How comes? Uh, well, I mean, you only have to spend a little bit of time looking into the local health economy. I mean, I think you should be going back to Richard Fuller and saying, asking Richard Fuller, what's the long-term future for Bedford Hospital? If Bedford Hospital does have to become a foundation trust, and if to do that it has to become financially viable, what services are going to be lost? It's down to the politicians, the way the NHS is funded, not the people that are managing Bedford Hospital. I'm sure the people at Bedford Hospital would love to keep all of these services open, but if there's no money to run them, there's no money to run them. There's maybe questions that need to be asked for the CCG. How are they going to ensure that children's services are properly funded in Bedford? How's Richard Fuller going to ensure that um, children's services are properly funded in Bedford? Well, Mark, listen, we've... Go on, sorry, finish, go on. Yeah, sorry. If that means that they have to change the model that they use to to, to fund the NHS, then that's that's not something they guys at Bedford Hospital can sort out. That's down to the politicians and the CPG. Mark, listen, we've made a note of your question and, and uh, we will make sure at some point that gets put to, to Richard Fuller. So, do, do you have a connection with the hospital at all? I, I don't. I don't have no connection to the hospital at all. Mark, thank you very much indeed. Well, we can certainly put forward that question to uh, Richard Fuller. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties <coughs> Radio. <coughs> it's too hot! It's too hot! It's, isn't it just? It's, it's unpleasant, it's horrible, and everyone's... Oh, no, it's fun, no, it's not... F- I tell you when it's fun, it's fun when I get into my car at 20 past four, and it's, it's quite warm then, and it's like being in a foreign country. That's nice. And it's fun when I'm kind of pottering around in the garden about eight o'clock at night, and it's still quite warm. That's nice. Everything in between is not nice. I had to sleep in the nuddy last night. Awful. We've been asking for your tips on keeping cool... And uh, here's some we've had already. Here's uh, what Dennis and Dunstable does. I've fitted overhead fans in the bedrooms and in the lounge. And so I just switch them on and I'm lying here. If you, if you get them running very fast, <laughs> you can't get off the bed. 
Are you naked? Yes. Oh, dear. Well, Elizabeth Rossini wasn't naked, but this was her tip. Well, yesterday I, I just had enough and I went off to the Isle of Wight. There you go. <laughs> so, so far we've got naked, Isle of Wight. What does Catherine Boyle do to keep cool? I'm from the Mish- Miss Havisham School of Thought. I don't know what that means. Indoors, curtains closed, windows closed. Something she didn't think of, and maybe she should have, given the way she went. Sprinkler. We're all thinking of Catherine Boyle's sprinkler now. Will we be thinking of Paul Scoyne's sprinkler? I like to run my wrists under a cold tap. That's the co- that's the quickest way to cool your body down, apparently. Yeah, nice cool blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's such a plum. Um, Justin, oh, I said that on the air. I didn't raise my microphone. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Justin Dealey has been out and about. Justin, how do you keep cool apart from looking great? Mm, here's a little uh, clue for you. Dun 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 dun. dun. Any ideas? Ice, ice. Stop. Yes. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. <laughs> something has got a hold of me tightly. Moving on something daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? No, I don't know the rest of the word, so I'm going to stop now. Ooh, ice, ice, baby. Yeah, baby. I, I don't know whether you've noticed, but uh, quite a lot of people right now are looking like MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice. With, with, with the baggy trousers. With the baggy trousers yes. and the silly haircuts. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I've it's noticed that. It's about, Ian, I've got a summer cold. Oh, yeah, you, did, you You were saying earlier, you get colds, but maybe you're allergic to the sun. You get oh. colds when the weather is nice. I know, it's bizarre. Whenever I go away somewhere hot, always end up with a cold. It's yep. um, not great. But um, you've been talking this morning about how to stay cool. Yes. I've been finding out how people do keep cool. Now, some of this content is, is very bizarre, and some of it is quite explicit as well. Let's start with James. James is a guy and this is how he keeps cool. Um, just take plenty of fluid intake. On my tea breaks, I have like cups of tea. Or, uh, lunchtime, I have a cup of coffee or something like that. Um, that refreshes my body. Plenty of sugar intake. Main thing is as well is like people people don't take enough salt intake in this weather either. So you know when you're sweating, you're losing your salt, which makes you feel a little bit ill as well. Put a bottle of drink in the freezer over night time, so as it cools down during the day, keeps it cold all day. So you take that drink out first thing in the morning, you've got it with you all day long, keeps you nice and cool. Yep, you can't drink it till the afternoon, but it's nice and cold for the full day. Fantastic. And what about the evening? When you go into bed, some people can't sleep at the moment. How do you stay cool then? Just lay on top of the bed, night on, with a fan going. Nothing on at all. Now, Lydia, you're from Spain, so this weather right now is is maybe quite cold for you still? (laughs) Well, it's kind of normal. At least uh, England has real summer. You're in a great position to answer this. How do people and you stay cool? Cool water is essential. And cold water, you... what, all over you? Yeah, that was uh, what to say. Uh, inside and outside you, all the times that you can. If you can shower in the evening, twice or three times per day. Yeah. Okay, so shower two to three times a day. That's a lot of water. And uh, what else do you do to stay cool? The fan and hope. Hope? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hope that it will go down. <laughs> now, Cody, you're pregnant. How many months pregnant are you? coming up to about three months so you must be really feeling this heat even more at the moment then yeah it's really hot yeah so how do you stay cool i drink lots of water and ice lollies they really help i've got a revelation to make here when i was younger i was addicted to ice lollies it was a very bad time how many ice lollies do you get through in the average day then with this hot weather quite a lot at least 20 20 a day? <laughs> yeah. Are you being serious? <laughs> yeah. 20 ice lollies a day? I like ice lollies. Graham, how do you stay cool during these hot conditions? Well, in the during the day, it's in the shade. At night, it's, all the windows are open. So you can feel that lovely breeze coming through the window. That's it. On your naked body. <laughs> do you sleep well, naked? No, I don't, actually. But uh, that's another thing. 
<laughs> is it now? <laughs> yeah. Should we leave it there? Yeah, we'll leave it there. Oh, yeah, leave it there, you mucky yeah. pups. That woman likes water inside and indeed out. <laughs> Fantastic. But but ice lollies, 20 a day. Wowzers. What, what's she doing with them? Uh, well, quite what, well, I don't know, but uh, uh, she told me she gets variety packs. So uh, she can get the orange in there, the lemonade, the Coke flavoured, is it? So all varieties of ice lollies. Justin, little Dicky Bird tells me, is this yeah. true? You have never seen the motion picture Grease. No, and there's a very good reason for that. Go on. Um, I love the music in Greece. Yeah. But great tunes. Yeah, great tunes. So much build-up about this film, about how fantastic it is. People still talk about it. I'm worried if I go and watch the film, yeah. I'm going to be disappointed, and that perception of it being amazing is simply not going to be there. A Grease lightning! <laughs> <laughs> That's all crazy. When I was doing mobile disc, you know, m- mobile disc jockeying years ago, it's ten to midnight. Here we go, guys. Here's uh, the Grease Mega Mix, and then it, with uh, the slow dance to end on. Daily. Now, listen. As you, you probably may be aware, I've never heard "Stairway to Heaven" by Led Zeppelin. I'm never going to. Come on. No, I'm never to. going to. But, but if I were to get you a copy of Grease on DVD, would you watch it this weekend for me? I would watch it on one condition. Yep. And I think we can do this together. Yep. I will sit down yes. and watch Grease. That means you've got to sit down uh, and listen Justin, to the whole of Stairway uh, to Heaven. Justin, I, I, we, I've, got to, I've got to cut you off. We're running out of time, but I'll, I'll get Greece to you. And I didn't hear what the other part of the deal was. Okay. Thank you very much. Never seen Greece. News for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still lots of delays on the M40 this morning. Northbound and London bound, we've got lane closures in place after the accident earlier where a lorry went through the central reservation from the northbound onto the southbound carriageway. Now, we have reports that it's one lane closed on the northbound side and two lanes shut on the London bound side, although we have had a call in who said it's the other way round. So if you're driving through there and you can see exactly what's going on, a call would be very useful. 08459 455 555. Either way, it's long queues approaching High Wycombe in both directions and the A404's looking very busy as well. On the M25, anti-clockwise over in Essex, the M25 has been shut between Junction 28 and 27, but this is having a knock-on effect on the clockwise carriageway as people are queuing past the scene of this accident. It's looking slow back into the roadworks section past Junction 25 and Enfield. It's slow as well anti-clockwise because there was an accident near the M40 a little earlier. That has now cleared but the delay's back to Chorley Wood. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, I'm off to uh, Luton to get a copy of Grease for Justin Dealey. JVS is up next. Until tomorrow from me, ta-ta. <laughs> On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Thursday morning. And on today's big phone-in, are casinos banned?